Hello, everybody. Welcome to Tales from the Backlog. My name is Dave Jackson, and this is a video games podcast where I'm bringing in guests to talk about the games we play. My guest today is a friend of the show, a uh, true blue Pokemon master, and a co-host of the Play Along podcast, Jared Moss. Hey, Jared. Hey, man. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good to have you on the show, dude. Um, I really enjoy Play Along podcast and uh, the oh, kind of kind of sub uh, sub show, the Get Wrecked show that you guys do on yeah. there too. I enjoy that a lot. So it's good to have you on the show. And before we get started, can you uh, just kind of real quick explain for my listeners uh, what is Play Along podcast all about? Yeah. So the the easy thing is Play Along podcast is a podcast where you play through games in kind of a book club slash audiobook format. Uh, I, I started putting audiobook in there because someone had said that it kind of reminded them of that. Because when we talk about games, we're not just talking about our feelings, but we're kind of recanting in excruciating detail sometimes <laughs> what's happening in our experiences and everything. But what we'll do is myself and my other two hosts, Kai and Bed, will each switch off choosing a game. And then we'll break that game into sections. And then each week we'll play through a section. We'll come together. Like I said, we'll recant what we did, how we're feeling about it. And then towards the end, we would say if this is something we recommend or something that um, you guys can just avoid in general. But yeah, that's that's play along in a, in a nutshell there. It's really cool. Like, so a lot of my favorite games podcasts and like my show to some extent, yeah. they, we all do this thing where we're like, hey, upcoming on the show, this is what we're talking about. You you can right. play along with my show if you want to. Uh, you can play along with their other book club style podcasts that mm-hmm. I listen to. But yours is the only one that like you will take a month or two months <laughs> and go section by section through the game. So like someone could like very easily, you know, commit, you know, five hours a week to playing this yeah. game and follow along with your show really easily as opposed mm-hmm. to like you know if i'm like hey on on my show next week i'm talking about persona 5 you're like oh okay well i can't play persona <laughs> 5 in one week right right so uh it, it's really cool yours is the only show that i've uh, seen that does that and uh mm-hmm. it's it's something i really enjoy sometimes it works for me like it's a game that i've already played and i get to kind right. of experience it again or you know if it's a game that i'm like you know i'm i'm not going to play this but i will listen to your show like uh mm. when you guys covered pokemon uh brilliant diamond brilliant diamond shining pearl yeah yeah i i have no interest in actually playing those games again but i did enjoy listening to your season listening to your nuzlocke experiences and stuff so it's a cool yeah. show yeah spoilers for that game you're not missing much you can you can <laughs> you can skip that one <laughs> And uh, as we're recording this in March, you guys just started Disco Elysium. Uh, by the yes. time this episode comes out, people, uh, that season, I think, will be finished. Uh, the Disco Elysium Most likely, yeah. run of episodes will be done. So people go back and listen. There's how many episodes are you guys planning for Disco? I think we're doing seven. It'll be about seven. Disco is an interesting one to break up because it's not like streamline or linear at, at all you can kind of do anything <laughs> right. you want within those days so we're trying to make it about six or seven episodes okay cool yeah. so yeah by the time uh, this episode airs you can go check out play along podcast their full playthrough of uh, disco elysium that's going to be cool mm. yeah so today we're going to be talking about pokemon legends uh, arceus arceus how do you say it jared I say Arceus, but then I, I, I slip sometimes and say Arceus. I think it's it's potato potato. Even if you look at the the advertising for this game, they've said both. So it's like it, nothing matters. <laughs> There's no yeah. right way to say it. 
Right. I am pretty sure. I So I say Arceus. It makes yeah, sense same. in my head that it's this ancient Pokemon, so it would be Arceus. But yeah. any game that doesn't have voice acting, we always run into this. I should have watched the yeah. anime to prepare for this. but <laughs> <laughs> I, I think they call it Arceus in, in the anime and the movies. Okay, cool. So Pokemon sure. Legends Arceus, uh, which yes. is a uh, kind of open world-ish uh, Pokemon game developed by Game Freak and published by Nintendo and the Pokemon Company in 2022. And if you're listening to this episode, uh, when it comes out, this is, I was thinking about, this is the first game that I've covered on the show that I have bought the day it came out, and I played it really quickly, Uh and then did an episode about it relatively soon after I finished it. And then, (laughs) so when you're listening to this, it's still going to be like four months after the game actually released. This is about as fast as that process is going to happen on this show. (laughs) As long as I, long as I keep up with this, uh, this timeline I'm working with. And they literally just released like content for, I mean, mind you small, but it's just like, Oh, now there's more to do. Is there new content? I didn't, uh, I didn't watch the Pokemon uh, presents thing. Oh, we can talk about that sometime in here too. Okay, cool. Uh, so if you're listening to this and you you don't know what Pokemon Legends Arceus is all about, uh, the kind of elevator pitch that I wrote for it is it is an open world-ish uh, Pokemon game. It's mm-hmm. basically the game that people like me have been asking for for about 15 years now. Absolutely. I'm, I, this is like what I pretended as like a small child in like the grass outside my house that Pokemon was. <laughs> it was like exactly. this real life open world thing that I could explore. So, like, just to get into some opening thoughts here, yeah. like you said, this is basically what I've been thinking about. I've been answering that question, like, what's your dream game? And I, for a long time, my answer was always, like, I want an open-world Pokemon game, not yeah. Pokemon XD Gale of Darkness. I mean, I want an <laughs> open-world Pokemon game. So I had, like, super high expectations for this game, about as yeah. high as, like, possible, and uh, yeah. this game smashed my expectations. I think it's awesome. I had a great time playing it. Uh, we'll get into why I had a great time playing it, but just for a quick opening thought, I really, really, really like this game, and yeah. uh, I'm really happy to see the direction that the franchise has at least taken on this kind of, feels like a side branch for now, but I'm really happy with it. Absolutely, absolutely. Same. Like, my initial thoughts of this game were just... I, I had I had I was I was a little skeptical. I think that like open world Pokemon also is just like <clears throat> that's what I've always wanted. But <clears throat> having such a smaller decks because this one does have a smaller decks and kind of the the monotony of it, it does kind of get a little grindy. But the the, the mechanics and everything are fantastic, and it's just it, it's weird that it feels so amazing. Just continuously do the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. We are going to get into talking about the game here. Um, Mm -hmm. Before we do, I will kind of say the spoiler policy for this episode. I guess we'll save spoiler story stuff for the spoiler Mm. section, even though I don't think that this story is... Like, if you get spoiled on the story, I don't think it's going to ruin your experience of this game at all. It's a a Pokemon story, so don't expect too much depth (laughs) going into it. Yeah, exactly. So we'll save that for the end, and then we'll also talk about kind of our like detailed experiences of trying to catch uh, certain Pokemon. We'll talk about uh, specific uh, trainer battles and stuff like that. We'll save that for the spoilers section. Uh, So 
let's uh, let's get into it. Let's listen to a little bit of music, and then we'll uh, we'll get into it. We always get the episode started by talking about our personal histories with the game, with the franchise uh, in this case. So, Jared, I'll kick to you. Tell us a little bit about your history with Pokemon and uh, what made you want to play Arceus. Yeah, I mean, Pokemon has literally been part of my life for my entire life. Like, it's weird not to think of, like my life experience is synonymous with Pokemon. I think there was lots of times where I kind of dipped the highs and lows of being really excited and being like kind of meh, but I've always, I've played all the Pokemon games. I've enjoyed most of them. I started with red and blue at a very young age and then have played obviously up to uh, legends Arceus now, but it's funny cause I a little younger. So I was, I was a little, I was like probably five or so when i first got exposed to pokemon and it was actually through toys i got a meowth and pikachu walkie talkie for my birthday oh cool! <laughs> and, and then i like i and then i found out about the anime and i watched that and then i got into the games that way but i still started like i had game boy color and i played red blue yellow on there too and then just from there it was kind of like the adventure to it catching pokemon the new creatures that they created and the the social aspect to it. Cause my entire friend group also played Pokemon as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like trading and battling and having that kind of social component. And we all kind of just like, we all followed Pokemon up until probably like X or Y. I think that's probably when my friend group stopped playing more and more. And then I kind of fell off there as well, but I jumped back on very quickly, but yeah, I've been playing since the beginning and it's, it's, it's been here the whole time. Cool. Yeah, I've uh, I've also been a big Pokemon fan since uh, yeah. I got a Pokemon Red and a Game Boy for Christmas in uh, mm-hmm. 1998. I was in fifth grade. Like you said, the social aspect of Pokemon, I think, was what like put it over the top. And the yeah. anime, it was really, it was really like an all-out assault on young children <laughs> in 1998. Yeah, children, <laughs> children at that time did not stand a chance. You had to have like some kind of exposure yeah. to Pokemon. <laughs> I mean, not just 1998. It's been an all-out assault on young children and their parents' wallets ever since then. But um, so, yeah, I was a big fan. Like, I, I, I think the last Pokedex I completed Mm -hmm. was in um, Crystal, I think, and then I played Ruby, Sapphire, Emerald. I played, um, Mm -hmm. oh, whatever the what was the one after that? Uh, Was it Uh, 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 Diamond Pearl? I played, yeah. So I played Diamond and Pearl. I played Platinum. And then um, I can't remember if I played black and white, but then I, st- I definitely stopped after that because I didn't play black two. I didn't play X and Y. Um, I bought Sun and I played for about 25 hours and I thought that game was extremely boring. Uh, so <laughs> I stopped and then uh, yeah. I played Sword and Shield. I had a good time, mm. but then I immediately forgot about it as soon as I was done. Uh, so I I still love the idea of Pokemon and I actually play a lot yeah. of ROM hacks. That's my yep, same, that's how I same. get a lot of like Pokemon mm-hmm. enjoyment now. So there's some ROM hacks that are like actually challenging and uh engaging and stuff like that. There there there's one and sorry to cut you off, but if you're into Pokemon ROM hacks, it's called Pokemon Row, R O W E. Mm-hmm. And I, I just found this out recently. It's a it's a hack off of Emerald, and it's essentially an open world Pokemon game. So they've essentially cut out the story of that game and they've cut out, they've given you access to all HMs and everything up front. And so what you can do, it has a built-in randomizer 
like a lot of ROMs do nowadays. And you could also randomize where you start, like what town you start in. And then you could start there and the trainer battles and the gyms scale to your level. So whatever level you're at, uh, you can go anywhere at any point. It's it's super cool. If you like ROM hacks, you should definitely check that out. Cool. Yeah, I, I just made a note of that. That does sound pretty cool. <laughs> Um, so yeah, my, I've kind of just been like slowly falling off the main games and still playing them and sword and shield, I think is, is like good. They they had a lot of quality of life stuff that I really, really appreciated. Um, but yeah, I, I was just, my enjoyment of Pokemon has been like slowly falling off. But then when legends Arceus got uh, released, I was like, holy shit, this is the game this is what I've wanted. (laughs) Yeah. This is the game. This is exactly the thing that I've been asking for the thing that I've been like, why won't they make this game? And then when they did make that game, I was like, okay, I know I've been like a little bit like sour on Pokemon the last couple generations, but yeah, I got to play this. And so I, it was like a little kid again. I got super excited about a Pokemon Mm. game, you know? And yeah, it's uh yeah so that's that's my history with pokemon and like leading up to why i bought arceus on day one i didn't buy sword and shield on day one i don't buy a lot of games on day one but this one was one that i singled out and i was like okay this comes out one month before elden ring that was like priority (laughs) number one i need to grind through this before elden ring comes out (laughs) yeah it comes out like one month before elden ring you have time get this you can play Mm. it and uh yeah that's what i did yeah really really good yeah I, yeah the whole thing this is this is what i thought sword and shield was going to be like sword and shield yeah. fell off for me because I, I i enjoyed like the wild area aspect to it but immediately when they slapped you into that first city and the uh, camera is fixed again it kind of pulls me immediately out of that immersion i'm just like oh the routes are back again you have a fixed camera the story is all over the place in that game not that pokemon games aren't just batshit crazy when it comes <laughs> yeah. to their stories um but yeah the wild area just it didn't it didn't have that hook it felt empty and even though like legends arceus doesn't have i mean it has a lot in it but people can still might think of it as empty i think the gameplay loop and the things you can find in there make up for it for any of that yeah just for people wondering like how long does this game take uh so i put about 35 hours into it i didn't Mm -hmm. i beat the like main story main like I, I think i got the credits even yeah and then it, it puts you back in the world it gives you more things to do and i didn't do all of that post-game stuff but yeah. i did beat the main story i played about 35 hours um i did not complete the pokedex mm-hmm. i i think i got well how many pokemon are in this decks do you know off the top of your head i think it's around 250 between okay. 250 and like 260 or so so it's not a okay. very large dex compared to like all the other ones 800 plus right. pokemon now right right so i think i got maybe 170 or 180 of them or something like yeah, that sure. in 35 hours how about you yeah i think that story-wise it took me like probably around the same like 20 i'm i'm i just hit 50 as i was playing before uh we okay. started the game but it probably story main story credits took me about 25 to 30 hours which is decent Mm -hmm. it's a halfway decent for a pokemon game um but there is a ton of post-game content in here and a ton to do too but yeah i would say that with that main story you're just walking like 25 hours or so and i think pokemon i just hit 210 i think i've caught about 210 215 
I'm going through and I'm doing a lot of the, like the, I'm trying to max out their uh, dex entry thing and getting them all to 10. So I'm, I'm hooked on that grind right now. <laughs> okay, cool. So uh, let's, uh, let's get into what the game's all about. And we kind of yeah. mentioned the story a few times. Let's just talk about this real quickly. I don't want to focus on this because like you said, Jared, it's a Pokemon game. It's a Pokemon story. Uh, <sighs> yeah. This is, you know, it's, I feel like these Pokemon stories are made to be inoffensive and just literally giving you any reason to go to the next place, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's probably one of the better ones, I would say, in my experience. Out of the Pokemon games, I think it's up there with one of the better stories. Yeah, well, like, it's, I agree, it's, it's one of the better ones because it's not the same as all the other ones. You're not a... You know, nine-year-old that sets out of your house and your mom gives you your backpack and your running shoes and tells you to go catch them all and stuff like that. Um, so mm-hmm. this is, a, I learned a new word in researching for uh, this episode. This is an isekai story. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what that was until uh, until this. Uh, for people who don't know, it's kind of like a, a story where your main character is a, a fish out of water transported to another world but in the process of being transported to the other world they are somehow special yes by uh by being that person who's transported so in this one your character is uh, ripped from the present day and taken mm-hmm. into the the far uh past kind of a yeah. like ancient Sinnoh. yeah ancient Sinnoh, and it's it's kind of like a it's this it's this world where people have not yet formed their uh, air quotes bond with Pokemon yet people are still afraid yeah. of them as wild animals uh, which they should be uh, <laughs> this is something that people have talked about in like a lot of it, when referencing Pokemon in general or people are like hey like why is no one afraid of all these wild Pokemon why are we giving 10 year olds dragons why are we, <laughs> why are yeah, we doing exactly. this <laughs> this seems irresponsible this thing literally has the ability to change the fabric of time and space. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> why, uh, why is no one freaking out about this? Well, in this game, they they do kind of address that. Which is a super, like, already, like, to start with, is an interesting concept. Like, the idea that these things are scary and they are, they can be dangerous. And looking at that, looking at a time before Pokemon and humanity kind of have coincided and back to a, a time where they were dangerous creatures and many people in this era, uh, this era feared them as well. So like, just to give an example, there's an early side quest um, where, yeah, it's a Drifloon. Uh, is, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they tell you like, hey, there's uh, this, this Drifloon that's hanging around town or hanging around town trying to attract uh, these kids. And like, if you're, a big Pokemon fan, you follow the Pokedex and stuff. Yep. yep. Like I was gonna say the that. Pokedex has always said like Drifloon lures small children away and they're never seen again and stuff like it's that. Terrifying. So people are always, <laughs> so there's, there's a lot more like, or like um, there's stuff like that where people are like treating mm-hmm. them as dangerous animals. Or there's another one where like, even if they're not treated as dangerous animals, they are nuisances, they're wild animals. Mm-hmm. There's like, Hey, this, uh, uh, what's the, the chime Pokemon, Chimeco, yeah. This this Chimeco's, this I think it's a chim a Chingling. It's like this yeah. thing's just like hanging out at my house, making a bunch of noise. Like I don't yeah. want this thing here. Can you? <laughs> can we fucking call Pokemon Animal Control and get rid of this thing? Like, <laughs> right. Where, where's Pokemon Animal Control in this world? We are that. That's what. That's what we are. It's just a cool like story setup where people are like, "Wow, you're going out there. There's Pokemon out there. You idiot! Like you're gonna get killed." 
And what you're like, what are you talking about? I love Pokemon. We're friends, right? Yeah, exactly. And and people are like, uh, no, we're not friends. Uh, that thing will kill you. That not Bidoof with that will attitude. fuck you up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And get taken down by a Bidoof. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of like the setup. We're taken back into this world, and your character, your phone turns into this like god phone that gives like direct communication from Arceus. I assume they they don't say it in the beginning of the story. And like I said, yeah. I didn't finish all that post game stuff. I assume it's Arceus communicating with you. Yeah, yeah, it's Arceus communicating with you, and it's it's interesting. I, I guess it does explain why there is a cell phone, because in all the promotional stuff, we're like, why does our character have a phone? That's weird, but we are pulled from the, our, uh, the, the future, present day, into the past and everything, and our phone is now transformed into God phone. When your character is pulled into this, like, new world, uh, the, the people there are very... I don't want to say they're very freaked out, but they are basically like, hey, who who is this person who just showed up on the beach here? And yeah. you're given a, a choice, which is very funny to me. Uh, you can work for this survey company to complete the first Pokedex. Mm-hmm. Or they say, uh, we're going to kick you out. And you have to go like live out in the woods, basically, <laughs> the, with all these Pokemon. Work for us or die. Exactly. So you obviously, you don't actually get a choice. It would be cool if if you, uh, if if you, you say, decide, like, uh, peace out. Yeah, you're just like, screw you, I'm going to go live out in the woods, but you don't really mm. get that choice. So yeah, you have uh, these two objectives. The first one is to complete the first Pokedex, mm. and the second one is that there are these kind of, they call them noble Pokemon, and they, they kind yeah. of represent like, you know, ancient uh, monsters from folklore and stuff, uh, protectors of these regions. Yeah. These Pokemon have been kind of driven crazy, and it's your job to go uh, tame them. There's five of them uh, in mm-hmm. the game, and we'll talk about that uh, from a gameplay perspective in a little bit. But that's the story mm-hmm. setup. Uh, that's the kind of the reason why you're doing the Pokemon thing. Like we said, mm-hmm. your goal is not to beat the eight gyms and beat the Elite Four in this game. It's uh, it's much more focused on uh, collecting um, and observing Pokemon. Well, I think there's more like motivation with it this time you know and in pokemon games you're just like 10 year old wanting to be the best and that's really all there is to it and then someone tries to restart the universe and interrupts you trying to be <laughs> before and then that's it but in this one you're, you're thrust into this new world everyone is skeptical so you're trying to help these individuals out to not only build their trust but in hopes of trying to figure out why you're there and also trying to possibly bring you back to your own time. So I think that's ultimately the goal for your character too, is to get out of this area that this unfamiliar world that you're in. So I think just, just with that baseline, it's already far more compelling because your character already has way more motivation to do the things that it does besides just like 10 year old boy catches Pokemon beats trainers. Exactly. Credits. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, um, like I said before, it's not, this story is not great. It's not going to make oh, you no. cry or anything nope. like that, but it is, it is giving you interesting turns and like things happen yeah. that have never happened in a Pokemon story before. So like by, yeah. by that metric, it is more interesting than the average Pokemon story. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. Next thing uh, that I want to talk about is I want to address one of the big. The elephant in the room. Yeah, the big lightning <laughs> rods for this game that uh, people who haven't played it still uh, have been commenting on, which is the way yeah. this game looks. Uh, so graphically, this is like the main thing that I have not mm. I have not seen anyone say that the gameplay in this game sucks. 
what people yeah. are loving to uh, talk about and chime in on is how this game looks. So, Jared, how do you feel about the way that uh, the way this is graphically? Man, it's. I think people like, especially with Pokemon games, like to like nitpick. Like the tree and sword and shield was a big thing for so long. <laughs> Those trees and, sucked, but you're right. Yeah, no, they, they <laughs> did suck. I, I I understand, and I don't disagree with you. But for me, I think it almost is expectation. Like going into and any of those games too, the graphics are not the main point. I think this game has a good art style. The art style to this game, I think, is compelling. I think that the 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 environments are are interesting. When it comes to graphical capabilities, it does fall short compared to other Switch games. Textures on things, uh, and I think that for me does not pull me out of the experience when I'm running through the beginning area or, or any of those, those areas. And I see the dirt or I see the rock that looks like crap. Like none of that is hindering my experience exploring this world. That being said, mechanically, there is some issues with the game. Like when I'm walking through and I see a crowbat flying at two frames per second across from me, I'm like, okay, that, that, (laughs) that starts to pull me out of the experience a little bit. I'm like, why is that Gyarados? Like all twitchy. Those are the kind of things that I'm like, okay, this is a video game. That's right. But the graphics specifically, I don't, I don't have an issue with. And I think, I think they're fine. They're not the best. They're probably the best in terms of Pokemon games, but there is definitely better looking switch games, uh, better looking games on the switch. Did you play the new Pokemon snap game? I haven't, but dear God, that game is beautiful. <laughs> yeah, that game looks great. I didn't play it either, so I, I'm not going to you know, make a comparison because right. Pokemon Snap levels are a lot smaller than the levels that you're in in this game. Absolutely. So like, I didn't play Breath of the Wild on Switch, so I, don't, mm-hmm. I can't really comment on that either, but I played Xenoblade Chronicles 2, which has huge, yep. huge open um, levels. I think that game looks a lot better than this. Yep. Mario Odyssey. I mean, again, it's still like smaller worlds, but Mario Odyssey is right. gorgeous. Like the game's it beautiful. Is. Yeah. I so as far as addressing this criticism, yeah. um, I think Legends Arceus does look bad. Yes. No getting uh, around I it. I agree with I agree with you. <laughs> but as someone who has played the game, <laughs> which uh, a lot of people who are commenting actually haven't played it. When I yeah, was exactly. playing when I was playing this game, I never thought about like, hey, that rock looks like shit. I never thought that because I was like having a blast playing the game. So like, yes, the criticisms of the graphics are valid, but they did not affect my enjoyment of the game in any way. So I I did want to just kind of address that. Like, you know, yes, the the graphics look bad and yes, there are better looking Switch games, but it didn't affect anything. And so I also also have a theory on this. So Game Freak is so beholden and like controlled by the pokemon release timeline yeah that they had a limited amount of time to get this game done and correct me mm. if i'm wrong but this game was never delayed right nope pokemon I don't th- I don't game pokemon so. games don't get delayed it was announced last february and right. then we got bdsp in the fall of last year and then obviously arceus in january right and then now we're getting Scarlet and Violet. Scarlet and and Violet. But just like you were saying, like they're so like strict to that schedule. This is, I mean, regardless if they were like, there's other games that have come out or whatever, this is three years since Sword and Shield. And ever since X and Y came out in 2016, every three years we've been getting a new generation. We got 
and Y in 2013, Sun and Moon in 2016, Sword and Shield in 2019, and then now this year we're getting Scarlet and Violet. Right. So the point I was working toward is that Game Freak is so held to this timeline that yeah. I'm, I think that when they're developing this, they have to know, like, we have to get this game working and, like, playable and, like, you know, as bug-free mm-hmm. as possible uh, before this because we are not going to be able to delay this game. So I think it's very clear that they spent a lot of time making sure that the gameplay is uh, top level. And, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe if this game had another year of development, maybe they could have made it look better. Maybe the Switch um, just can't handle the big open world with all of the creatures out roaming around around doing stuff like that. Maybe it's a technical limitation. I've talked I in the past I have talked about Game Freak kind of resting on mm. their laurels and kind of being lazy. I don't think that's yeah. the case here because they they changed so much in this game. There's so many big swings that they took that like the way this game looks doesn't feel like they were like, "Eh, fuck it, that looks fine. Leave it in." It's it feels <laughs> like they were it feels like they they worked really hard on the other parts of the game. Something had to give because you can't delay a Pokémon game. Yeah, I, I have a conspiracy theory here okay. with, with Legends right, Arceus. I think that Scarlet and Violet, I, everyone says it's, it's too soon. Like it's like it's crazy that it's so soon, even though it is on track for their schedule. I think this has been in development longer than we think. And Game Freak thought that the the switch between, it, it, I mean, it, this is it also if scarlet has similar mechanics to legends arceus you know that's that's what this is relying on because we don't know that so far we've only seen that one gameplay trailer or whatever right um but game freak needs thinking that like the the gap between sword and shield and scarlet is too broad mechanically and we need an in-between to get people used to these mechanics and halfway through they're like let's create this legends game let's create legends to ease players into this new format of how we're going to be creating our games we're going to push away from kind of this older mechanic of kind of a very set linear game and have more open, but trying to bring it along back with Sword and Shield where it's like you're battling gyms and you're exploring the world and everything like that. That's my conspiracy theory. I'll take my tinfoil hat off now. (laughs) This is, this is my Ted talk. I I can see that if they, if they totally wanted to revamp the, like the main series. And then this is kind of like an interstitial step. Although I do think there's going to be more Legends games because this was so successful. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, Um, yeah. Yeah, I I can see that. I also think that Game Freak has multiple teams working on this stuff. So the team that made Arceus is not the same team that's making uh, Scarlet and Violet. Of course, they're communicating with each other and stuff too. Uh, One thing like graphically that I think is really good or like if we're talking about the way this game looks, uh, the Pokemon look good. The models, Uh, the models for the Pokemon look good. And the animations for the Pokemon are awesome. They give them tons of personality (laughs) and stuff like that. So like, if you want to say that the grass looks terrible, cool. But the more, would you rather have the grass look okay? And the Pokemon look okay? Or would you have, would you rather have the grass look terrible? And then all the Pokemon look great because that's what this game has. 
Yeah, I think that all games have like, if we're breaking down all that, their shortcomings and the graphics for Arceus is one of its shortcomings. That being said, that does not hinder or ruin the experience at all, especially Mm -hmm. because not only do the models look good, but like the animations look amazing. Like the move animations, they've like, they've changed a lot of how the Pokemon move throughout this world. It's not similar to what we've seen in Sword and Shield. And they've changed a lot of the look of these moves too. Like Hyper Beam, looks destructive if you've seen hyper beam in this game it is it is (laughs) devastating (laughs) yeah the way that they did it the way that they took battles out onto the overworld and like literally wherever you are at the time that's just where Mm -hmm. the battle takes place that helps it um that helps some of those moves like hyper beam look destructive uh yeah even compared to what it looked like in pokemon stadium uh which yeah this is kind of like taking some of those elements into it too yeah, I mean, and that's interesting too. Like we were, you just brought up, kind of like the battles being in the overworld as well. Like the the random encounters were almost a, like an opportunity to like load in that next battle. Like exactly, cut the screen. Yeah. We'll load in the next battle. Now you load, but all of that happens seamlessly now, seamlessly throughout the world, and that definitely builds on the immersion too. Yeah, and that's a technical. Uh, that's technically demanding of whatever like engine you're running it's demanding of the hardware to not Mm -hmm. load in a separate battle screen you are literally doing it right on the spot literally like if you throw your pokemon up on a rock Mm -hmm. near another pokemon when the battle starts your pokemon will be up on that rock and the other one will be down below like that's we get all these you know obi-wan and anakin high ground memes from uh (laughs) from legends arceus and so like if making the grass and tree and water textures not look amazing gives us all of this other stuff that does look and feel really cool. That's a trade-off mm. that I'm willing to make uh, every single time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's uh, let's take a little break. When we come back, we'll get into gameplay of Pokemon uh, Legends Arceus. Playing Pokemon Legends Arceus, uh, we have lots of changes to the way Pokemon games uh, normally work. We've gotten a lot of comparisons to Monster Hunter because Mm. you are kind of given a goal and sent out into a specific area. Jared, have you played Monster Hunter? Because I never have. Yeah, I've dabbled a little bit. I'm not. I'm not too big into it. I played it a lot on the PSP, one of the, the the original ones there, and then just recently jumped into World. But yeah, it's definitely like that, where it's less of an open world and more of like large se- sectioned out areas. Like there's five areas in this game, and they're they're pretty expansive too. Like I, there was yeah. still times where I was finding new areas after 50 hours. I'm like, I'd never even explored this area before. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. You are given a goal and you're sent out into these areas. Mm. Your goal is usually to do something with these noble Pokemon that we talked about yeah. before. And uh, But the kind of difference between this and Monster Hunter is you can just ignore your goal and do whatever you want Absolutely. as long as you have the equipment and the kind of capabilities, I guess, to do it. Like you, you get... Um, the replacement for HMs. So like for a mm-hmm. while, you're not going to be able to go on bodies of water. So excluding right. that, you can do literally whatever you want in the world. Uh, so mm-hmm. Monster Hunter is a good way to kind of visualize or think about what you're 
tasked with doing and how that works. But then once you're in this world, you can just like, you can ignore that quest forever yeah, and just do what you want. So I guess let's talk about the main thing that you're supposed to do through the game, which is fill out the Pokedex and the way that works. So you said you, you're around 200. Yeah. Around 200 there. How many do you think you've completed? Ooh. Well, and this game is interesting, too, because there's different versions of that completion depending on how uh, hooked you are or addicted to this. Mm-hmm. There's the the research level. So as you catch Pokemon, as you learn more, and that's what you're doing. You're, you're trying to build this first Pokedex. So as you right. catch Pokemon, you don't really know anything about them. You have to bring them to the professor. He does research on them, and then he builds the research level for specific Pokemon. And that can involve catching them. It can involve seeing them do specific moves. It can see them evolving. It can see them doing any, any sorts of things, feeding them berries or whatever. All of those things contribute to the research level. Mm-hmm. Uh, currently, I'm trying to do get everything to research level 10. That is the, the max each Pokemon can do. Right. Now, get, getting them to 10 doesn't necessarily mean you've seen all the things that this Pokemon can do. Because one of the tasks might be, see Bidoof use rollout 40 times, which is a ridiculous number that I never want to get to. But right. <laughs> that's I, I would say I have, I have a decent amount. I don't know exactly off the top of my head, but that's my task right now after finishing a lot of the story stuff is getting all these Pokemon to that, that 10 research level. Right. And so like when I first heard that this is what you're doing in the game, honestly, mm-hmm. I was a little bit worried because I was like, Am I going to have to catch 10 or 20 of every single Pokemon in order to do right. this? Because that would suck. But it's not like that. Like you said, you have different um, criteria for your research level. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, like you said, some of those things are like, uh, you can actually just beat this Pokemon in battle one time, yeah. three times, mm-hmm. five times. That counts toward your research level, too, for a lot of them. And so leveling up... Th- to like research level 10 is is not as hard as it sounds you put that pokemon in your party fight with it for a little bit of time catch a bunch of them out in the wild evolve a few you'll get to level 10 it's not that not that bad it was something i was Mm -hmm. really like this has potential to be annoying and grindy and it's not as grindy as i expected yeah, I, I just double checked as you were talking there. I've seen 200 and f- I, no, caught 205 and 97 of those I've gotten to research level 10. So, okay, I got I got quite a ways to go here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And to be clear, as far as I know, getting to research level 10 is not one of your like main, main objectives through the game. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely not. Like that and that's what that's what's cool about this too. Like a lot of the times this stuff just happens naturally. Like you're curious about this world. You're wanting to explore. You're catching Pokémon, you're battling them. So a lot of the times you'll go to catch something and you've already got it to research level 10 because you've already been exploring, you've already seen and encountered these Pokémon enough where you don't have to worry about that. Sometimes it just comes naturally. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like especially if if you have a Pokémon that you're using in your party for any extended amount of time, it'll get to research level 10 really quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh just just from, you know, evolving one, using it in battle for a while so you can see it use its kind of signature moves. Uh that'll mm-hmm. get you there. So, yeah. Let's absolutely. talk a little bit about like what it's like to kind of walk around and see Pokémon and catch them because that's you know, We'll talk about the uh, noble Pokemon. That's like your main objective, but there's only five of those. That's not the bulk of your gameplay. So when you're out in the field, uh, similar to uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield, um, and let's go Eevee and stuff, but it's like 
multiplied. You'll see Pokemon out in the field everywhere. There's no... Oh, absolutely. No random battles. You see them out in the field. Uh, mm. Kind of like... I, I say this is like a grown-up version of the wild area from Sword and Shield. Absolutely. That, and that's where the, the, the wild area fell, was it just felt so empty when it came to the Pokemon. Yeah. I actually, like, I was wondering what your take on this is. I think that mm. there's too many wild Pokemon in some areas. Like, oh, there's some places where there are just so many that, like, you, you can't just walk any extended distance without being, like you know, bothered by Pokemon, which I guess makes sense. If this is supposed to be a untamed wilderness full of Pokemon, mm-hmm. I guess that makes sense. But it it did get kind of annoying a few times for me where it's, yeah. it's like some of the Pokemon are really aggressive when you walk by. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like Paris and... Uh, <laughs> Paris for some reason. Who hurt you, Paris? What happened? Yeah, that feels like a uh, feels like, like a civilization like Gandhi glitch where they, yeah. someone set... <laughs> yeah. Paris's like aggressiveness to like it was supposed to be like forty and they set it to four thousand on accident or something like yeah, that. Some something's wrong with Paris, but <laughs> no, no. You, I think that I like the amount of Pokemon that are around, and I think that that helps with the immersion for me because there's never a spot where I'm going where I feel like is empty. Like I feel like as I would go through here, I would be constantly seeing Pokemon as I run through. That being said, I do see the gripe of it because especially with specific Pokemon that either are super aggressive or like Abra, I'm trying to catch Abra, but I'm like avoiding a Luxio attacking me and the Abra teleports away. I'm just like, I just wanted that Abra. (laughs) So so it does come in handy, but that kind of builds into the world for me too. It's like I have to avoid these creatures while I'm still going about my task as well. Yeah. They, and like some of the Pokemon are kind of, doing stuff that you might expect them to do it's not to the Mm. level of pokemon snap because they can kind of program like routes and activities for all of them to do they're just like walking around but they are kind of wandering around you know grazing stuff like that birds are flying Mm. it's something that in future games they may be able to give them a little bit more kind of realism acting like wild animals would you know but you sorry continue oh it's okay go ahead I was going to say, have you seen like Mr. Mime's like idol animation? He will like <laughs> sit and pretend he's in a chair and sip a cup of tea. It's oh, hilarious. <laughs> that's super cute. Uh, I yeah. didn't see, I've only seen the Mr. Mime that's like um, one of the side quests. The Mr. Mime is like miming walls and keeping you oh, away from yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. 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 I've seen that one too. One of the places that like, I, I, this is another thing when they do another Legends game, I feel like they could mm. improve is that the rivers are empty and there's like no Pokemon swimming yeah. in rivers in lakes and like the sea and stuff. There's a bunch of Pokemon, there's but a lot, yeah. there's nothing in the rivers. And I, I always kind of felt like, you know, there's some Pokemon that I feel like should be in there, you know? Yeah. Or, but, or it's like, you don't see them until like much later when you have access to the water, because then as you go like further up some of these rivers, you'll see like Magikarp or like Remoraid, but at least in the beginning, I didn't see any Pokemon, like water Pokemon, in the water until much later in the game. Yeah, not until you get uh, the the Pokemon you can ride in the water, I think. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Which, yeah, I did notice that. I was like, why is there nothing in the water? There's, you know, there's there's 400 uh, Bidoofs out here, but there's nothing <laughs> swimming. Uh, but there is when you get a little bit later in the game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, like, I don't know about you, but my first impressions like this was like magical 
when I first oh, started the game. Like the first 15 absolutely. to 20 hours were just absolutely magical. Going around here, just seeing all the Pokemon and like you can, so you can like sneak up on them. You can hide mm. in tall grass. You can throw berries to lure them. So it's it's got some mechanics from Pokemon Snap, you know, using mm-hmm. berries, throwing stuff at them to stun them and stuff like that. So the way you catch them is you you just throw a Pokemon or throw a Pokeball uh, if oh, you want. It feels so good. It does. <laughs> throwing, throwing Pokeballs has never felt better. And your dude, your dude can carry like ninety Pokeballs dude, his, or whatever. His pockets, his slash her pockets are are deep. Like yeah. you have so many Pokeballs you can hold on to. So you you can literally just be throwing Pokemon and berries left and right. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, just throw a Pokeball at a Pokemon out in the environment and it will uh, try to catch it. You, mm. can, uh, you can sneak up on them. If you hit them with a Pokeball from behind, you'll get a catch rate bonus. Yep. Much more likely to catch something if you can kind of surprise attack it that way. And you can throw your own Pokemon like in their pokeball just like any other throwable item and you can throw them out if you throw it near a wild pokemon it'll start up a battle and a lot of pokemon you don't need to fight to catch them which is very Mm -hmm. cool uh especially with the amount of pokemon that you feel like you need to catch for some of these research levels it would suck to have to battle and catch five of the same thing you know yeah yeah i mean this all just adds into the fact of how we thought this world would would work you know yeah. like playing playing the older games and playing like diamond and pearl and and pokemon and yellow and everything if this was a real world if we had access to all of these things this is how we would have imagined it to work like some pokemon are easy to catch because they're weaker like starly or Bidoof, and some pokemon may be harder to catch they may need to be distracted by berries you give them or they may need to be snuck up on or maybe they even need to be battled to be caught too but all those things kind of build off of one one another and i think work really well too yeah that was something i always thought about in the anime when i watched the anime yeah. like ash catches a bunch of pokemon by just throwing a pokeball at him he doesn't fight everything why can't mm-hmm. i do that why, in the games? why do i have to battle this 16th badoof yeah but in in uh in legends you don't have to fight you just throw yeah. the pokeball out mm-hmm. you'll probably catch it at least like within two or three uh tries and yeah, it's just, man, like, I struggle to think of the words to describe, like, just how magical feeling, this what, yeah. this is in this game. Like, going out and you're like, oh, like, okay, there's an Abra over there. Cool. I want to go get an Abra. Well, Abra teleports if you get close to it. So I have to figure mm-hmm. out how to get close to it within throwing range. Um, if you throw a Pokeball, it'll make a sound if you miss when it hits stuff. And a lot of Pokemon will notice that and they'll get, you know... Um, they'll get cautious or like Abra will teleport away. So you're like, mm-hmm. I have to hit it with this. Uh, Pokemon have, the the balls have, they have physics to them. They have arcs when you throw them. It's not throwing yeah. in a straight line. So like you do have to line up your shot and execute. Make sure you're close enough. Yeah, make sure you're close enough. Make sure you sneak up so Abra can't see you. Uh, mm. There And there's, for Pokemon who teleport like Abra, some will run away from you. So you need to... yeah sneak up on them some of them like like we said are really aggressive so you need to sneak up on them because if you're not trying to get into battles you don't want that you know lux ray to mm. aggro on you <laughs> exactly and, and all of this builds off of something that's really cool which when you when you start 
helping out these individuals in Jubilife and helping them complete the Pokedex, one of the things that you do is you have um, you have a uh, star rank. Like you have, you can rank up as well. Mm-hmm. So everything that you do, whether it's catching Pokemon, how you're catching Pokemon, exploring the world, adding them to your decks, all this builds on that level. So you almost get that instant gratification too. So you go out, you've explored for hours, you come back, you show the professor your Pokemon, and you get a bunch of experience, you get a ton of money, and it just that adds to the loop of this gameplay too and the, the appeal of it. Right. And then so you'll get a score uh, like, mm. like Pokemon Snap. You'll get a score yeah. when you go... F- not like finish, but you can just go and check in with the professor. He'll give you points. You go back to your boss back at the survey uh, place, and they'll mm-hmm. put those points toward your star rank. And uh, when you get a star rank up, you'll get access to more items. So like mm-hmm. star rank two or three, I can't remember, you'll get access to great balls instead of just pokeballs. And then mm-hmm. a higher one, you'll get access to ultra balls and stuff like that. So you're constantly you want to get that star rank up to about level seven or eight uh is Mm. when you stop getting like really great rewards rank 10 is an incredible grind i can't imagine that i'll ever get there so much of a grind oh geez (laughs) uh i think i i think i'm on rank eight at the you know the progress that i made through the game that's that's where i'm at i'm on i'm almost to nine i'm on the tail end of eight but it is a grind after that. but a good one it is a it is a good grind (laughs) <laughs> like so so you you get a score based on like if you caught a new pokemon if you caught mm. a um basically different scores for what you did out in the world it's kind of funny yeah. like i caught a legendary pokemon and they're like cool you get 20 points for that and uh, that doesn't <laughs> like, raise wow. your star rank you caught god <laughs> but you're still level eight you're not leveling up to level 10 you got to do better than catching god my man yeah yeah it, well it's interesting in this world too where it's like what is considered like legendary to them as well. Some of these people might not have even seen some of these Pokemon that are out there. So they're just as rare as like a Dialga or a Palkia. But like we know the mm-hmm. context of these things of being like these these godly Pokemon. But it's funny to think of a world where people might not be able to so- uh, disassociate the two. That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, one other thing out in the world uh, that you'll see with the Pokemon is these alpha Pokemon. And you'll yeah. notice them because they're usually bigger than the regular models out mm-hmm. in the world. And they have these big red eyes. So they're basically unmissable. And yeah. these things are harder to catch. Uh, in my experience, I was able to catch, I'll say about 25% of them without battling, but most of them required yeah. a battle. And yeah. any any Pokemon can be alpha. Any stage of evolution can be alpha. Mm. And I think these are... I know some of them are static out in the overworld. They're not randomly mm. generated because that yeah. there's an alpha Snorlax in the first area that is always in that one spot, you know? Yeah, and there's a Rapidash too that's like on the northern part of the of that, at least that beginning part of the map, that's always there too. But no, mm-hmm. no, you're right. Like all, all the Pokemon have a specific spawn and like I, I was just playing right now and the first Bidoof that I found walking out was an alpha. Like it was just that Bidoof spawn turned out to be an alpha. Okay, so each spawn has a a percent chance to be alpha, and yeah. then some There's of the them static ones that are some there, of them so. out in the world are always going to be an alpha Snorlax in this spot. Uh, yep. So, yeah, and uh, early game these are really hard. Uh, I remember there yeah. was a, I think a Bibarel or something like that, mm-hmm. that that gave me a ton of trouble when I f- was first yeah. playing and trying to. Because it's at like a choke point. You have to get past yep. this thing to get to the next part of this level. 
and uh, you can sneak past it or you can fight it. And it wiped my party a few times. And that was one of the first times where I was like, holy shit, these things mean business. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And it's just like, they're usually significantly higher level than where you are too, depending right. on where you're at in the game, especially early on. I think they can easily be in, be in like the thirties or forties and you still have basic Pokemon that you're starting out with. So it's just like, it, it gives you something to work towards too. You're like, Oh, I see this thing and it's higher level and I can work towards getting higher level to capture this thing too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you can catch it, they are very, very strong. Uh, oh, usually yeah. and it kind of broke my heart a few times where I was using a Pokemon and then I caught the alpha version of that Pokemon. Oh, no. I was like, sorry, dude, you, uh, you got to go I live to on the pasture. Up. Yeah. I, this, uh, we got, we got fucking like, you know, alpha Snorlax. I actually think it was a Snorlax was one of those when I, mm. I had a regular Snorlax and then I caught the alpha one and I was like, uh, well, you you like to sleep anyway. Just go hang out over here. I'm going to use the alpha version because they're usually <laughs> I'm better. Use the, use the better version of you. Sorry, dude. And I think I'm guessing that later in the game, when you get these really intense battle challenges, using a, a team of all alphas is going to be like part of the the winning strategy. Yeah, yeah, I, I, absolutely. Because and we'll get into it in the the spoiler section, but man, some of these battles. Yeah. That was kind of surprising to me because early on, the trainer battles are extremely easy. They're like some of the easiest in any game ever. Yeah. But and, the, and they're they're far and few between too. Like the, obviously from playing, that's not the main aspect of the game. Exploration and catching is kind of the main thing. And there's also some battling with other trainers at least. Right. And it's it kind of fits thematically because this is a world where not many people you know, have caught Pokemon. Yeah. Most people live in fear of the Pokemon out there. So it makes sense that mm-hmm. there's not, you know, a trainer around every corner waiting for you. Yeah. Uh, another thing that I want to touch on real quick is just, like we were talking about like bringing up your rank and kind of getting uh, money and getting experience. One of the other things that I, I really enjoyed and that really added to the immersion was when you first start in Jubilife, uh, like you were saying, everyone's afraid of Pokemon. There's no Pokemon around this town. But as you start doing side quests for people, Pokemon slowly start to begin populating this town. And mm-hmm. you see more and more and people have their own Pokemon. You can give them Pokemon. And it just it, you can see the natural progression of people getting more and more comfortable with these creatures that they feared when you first started the game, which I thought was yeah. such a cool, such a cool touch. Yeah, that's a good point. Even um oh, even Pokemon that you know, it's not like everyone's like, I got my own Clefairy or Jigglypuff or some kind of cute, right. you know, companion. But it's like, it's like, oh, my son is bonded with this ghastly. So he's going to hang out with this <laughs> yeah, ghost exactly. or like uh, where it's uh, you. One of the first side quests is to give a, uh, give a guy a Wurmple. And as you mm. go, it, it keeps evolving and stuff like that. And that's, um, yeah, yeah, it's a good point. The, uh, the kind of slow um, acceptance of Pokemon into their lives yeah. uh, is pretty cool. Yeah. And not only that, too, like new buildings and stuff will start to appear throughout the town, too. Like build buildings will be built and they'll have Pokemon on them or you'll see Pokemon near them as they're building and everything, which is just it's cool to see the town progressively grow as the player grows, too. <laughs> and you uh, you you do start to get the kind of exploitation of Pokemon in there, too, where people yeah. will start to be like, oh, you know, Pokemon, they're not so bad. I could, uh, you know, I could use some Pokemon to dig this ditch. I got to dig over here. Can you go find me something? <laughs> where- we're the sole contributor to people uh, enslaving Pokemon in the future. It's that, it's our fault. <laughs> yeah, it, it literally your character's fault. 
without your specific character, people would still be living in fear and uh, yep. treating them with the respect they deserve. <laughs> yeah. Think, think about that when you're playing through the game. Speaking of treating Pokemon with respect, this is the other note I had for like, you know, your stuff out on the overworld that you're doing mm. is that, um, and this is something they showed in the trailers that uh, when you're running around, Pokemon will attack your character um, mm-hmm. and it can hurt you. So your yeah. character has a dodge roll uh, for <laughs> something <sighs> I never expected in a Pokemon game. It's Dark Souls. Yeah, it, this is the Dark Souls <laughs> of the Pokemon series. Of the Pokemon game. <laughs> And it's not like you need to dodge roll around attacks all the time. Yeah. Usually you're throwing Pokeballs or throwing your own Pokemon, but like a lot of times a Pokemon will sneak up on you and they'll like, Mm -hmm. you know, they'll headbutt you or they'll shoot water at you or um, some of the bigger, more dangerous ones will do like actually like really scary attacks and you have to dodge out of the way. Uh, There's a couple of popular clips that made the rounds of like, a Snorlax like doing a like body like a double edge type move at your trainer (laughs) yeah and you're like I'm not living this but uh, all of that just adds the experience like this is what we would a thought would happen if we saw Pokemon in like actual real world you know if we if we ran in the grass and saw Star Raptor or we ran into a grass and saw Luxio we all thought like yeah that Pokemon if we just you know strolled into their their environment and their home they probably wouldn't be very happy about it exactly uh, and it's cool that that's reflected in this too yeah and you are a you are a weak human character you exactly. are obviously no match for literally any pokemon that wants to attack you you're no match for them so no it is cool how they can hurt you i think your character can take like 3 hits before you black out yeah and uh if you black out you will um you'll be transported back to camp and you'll lose some of your items uh they'll yeah. say like you you leave your satchel behind and that's a kind of extra mechanic or extra objective you can pick up people's satchels that they've left and you'll get these uh, that's, these that's a really cool touch yeah there's a couple people like you can set it where like people on your friends list uh mm-hmm. you'll see their stuff and there's a couple people on my switch friends list where i was like man there's like five satchels that this person's lost. Like get your shit together. <laughs> or, or just like, there's been some times for me to like, how did you die here? This is, there's only Badoof in this area. What happened? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want to, I want to know the story of how, the, how you died here. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I don't know, man, like this, this kind of like wandering the overworld, exploring, yeah. seeing what kind of, cause this is a, this is an open world. So like by, by being yeah. an open world, it now needs to, like it need I, for me open worlds need to justify being open world like just being yeah. an open world without having anything interesting yeah. uh is boring uh, it's a problem i've had with a lot of games i think this game is great like exploring always gives you new pokemon to find so yeah. you're always like i see something out there i you know if it's part of the level you can go there there's going to be probably mm. new pokemon there and it's always cool to explore and find yeah what's out there yeah and this is interesting too when it comes to exploration because when they're trying to make these games open world like if you think about normal pokemon games like they already have interesting vistas like it, it even though the wild area wasn't great when you first get into that you can see like motostoke from like across like the desert area you see this big large like dragon tiger like, oh, i want to i want to be able to go there and in this game it makes it more complicated because there's only like areas 
So you're like, oh, you need to have interesting points to entice the player to continue playing. And that's mm-hmm. almost kind of like breadcrumbs with Pokemon. Like you're seeing Pokemon. And as you're walking through, you're seeing more Pokemon that leads, leads you in different directions. Or you'll see like big hills or big mountains. So those things kind of act as those points of interest to kind of guide the player to explore this world. Yeah. There were a lot of times, like you said, where I was like, okay, I see that Alpha Snorlax. So I'm going to go try to catch that. And right. then oh, okay, I see something over here. Like this kind of strip of land continues. I wonder what's over Mm. there. And then you follow it. There's a new Pokemon there, something you haven't seen. So you deal with that. And then, oh, there's something cool over there too. Like, let me go check that out. Let me see how far this goes. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's very easy to just become distracted and not do your main task for hours and hours. There, there was lots of times where I, I like tried forcing the exploration because you get writable Pokemon, which kind of mitigate the HMs for um, for this game. Uh, and the first one you get is kind of the weird deer, which is the evolution of Stantler. And it's just like a normal like deer horse mount that you can ride. But mm-hmm. there was lots of times where I tried to like jump like water gaps. That I knew I couldn't like if I can just make it. And like struggle swimming just enough to get to the other side. Like I did that so much to try to just like force like <laughs> to get to the other side of places. <laughs> or you're doing the um you're doing the old Skyrim thing of trying to walk up walk like, up the inclines wall. that you shouldn't yep. be able to walk up on, but you can like you Absolutely. can catch like one little like pixel of like geometry that your character can stand on. And yeah. Yeah. I kept trying to do that too. It took me way too long to figure out that those big rock boulders can be broken with our Pokemon. So I always mm-hmm. tried jumping over them with my <laughs> with the rideable Pokemon. Yeah, there's a there was a glitch. I think they fixed it, but there was a glitch where if you held the like aim button, you mm-hmm. it would just like not register slopes, and you could just like walk up the side of mountains. Oh, that's but I think I think they patched that out. <laughs> but um, when you go into any of these levels, there will always be things that block you off from exploring the whole level, like mm. oh, like water, and then. Uh, there's scalable walls. You get a Pokemon later that can help you scale walls. There's a Pokemon later that um, will help you fly. Mm-hmm. And uh, w- by the end, when you have all of these, you exploring becomes effortless. It's literally like, yeah. I see a point over there. I want to go there. And then you you get on your flying Pokemon. Maybe yeah. you swim a little bit. And it just becomes effortless, frictionless to explore the world uh, to your yeah. heart's content. It's really good. And they did they did a great job of slowly like drip feeding these new mounts to you all the time because you start off and you don't have anything. You can only mm-hmm. explore as far as you can walk. Walking is relatively fast and you can dodge roll, but you can't go in the water. Then you get the weird ear. And now exploring these areas is a little quicker. You can jump over things, you can go over hills and everything like that. And and as they slowly give you these mounts, it just makes the original areas more exciting to go back to because now there's more new areas that you can explore and like i said i'm 50 hours in and i'm still finding new areas that i hadn't found before just by Mm -hmm. exploring the original original spots because they're pretty big yeah it's almost like a metroidvania thing where you get a new upgrade and you want to go back to an old area and see all the places you couldn't get to before uh this game definitely does that for you it's real good absolutely let's see uh, a couple other things you can do out in the overworld when you're um, exploring, uh, you can uh, gather materials, which uh, mm. for the crafting system, uh, I I hate crafting in most games, uh, <laughs> but in this game it was fine. Yeah, you go through so many Pokeballs in this game, it would kind of 
it would kind of be weird to like go to the store and just buy like 99 Pokeballs from the store. It kind of makes sense that your character needs to make them themselves. Yeah. Like again, this is not a world that would have Pokemarts with supply chains and stuff like that, right? So yeah. it kind of makes sense that you're making them yourself. Right. Or even like there is like the the guy that runs kind of the the market or the mart in here. Like you have a slew of side quests with him where you're talking to another individual to try, kind of get more inventory and get more newer items into the into the mart as well, which is interesting. But no, I, I enjoyed the crafting. I just once I got the ability to buy certain Pokeballs, I ended up just buying, <laughs> just buying them. Yeah. There's a point in this game where money becomes meaningless. Like you, you just have more money than, yeah, you need to spend on anything. Like mm-hmm. the main thing early in the game that that I spent money on is increasing the inventory, and once that's done, that's that gets really expensive. But there is an end to it. So once that's done, yeah. you have nothing to spend money on except buying ninety nine Ultra Balls uh, whenever right. you need more. I, I would say that I did do the inventory, but I'm also just a whore for clothing and customization. So oh, that's, that's where right. a lot of my money went into mm-hmm. <laughs> just customizing my character. There is a lot of uh, clothing you can do. I yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I guess I I didn't complete all the side quests, so I don't know exactly mm. everything that they have. I didn't find a bunch of stuff that looked great to me, but like I'm also not a big like cosmetic customization person, so. But there is a lot if you like it. Yeah, I'm that guy that's just like, I'm going to sink all of my money into this. <laughs> and like the, the side quests with them are cool because what, what what you're doing is the individuals, there's also a salon where they, you can change your hair and everything. But these two individuals want to see new Pokemon to help inspire new products. Mm-hmm. So you show like one of the ladies a mischievist to like have a new hairstyle or you'll show uh the clothing lady to the two different shellos to like get inspiration for new colors for clothing. And that's mm-hmm. really cool too. Yeah, yeah, it is kind of cool. One thing that I learned way, way too late was Mm -hmm. that when you're in out in the world and you're exploring, if you go to the professor, there's a professor there, there's a tent where you can sleep that'll give your Pokemon's health back and you can sleep to a specific time of day if you're looking for a specific Pokemon. And there's a little crafting box there too. Next to the crafting box is a guy. And I thought, he's just a guy. He's He's just standing there not doing anything. I'm like 45 hours in at this point. I've been going back and forth to Jubilife to buy anything, to access my pasture. I didn't oh. know if you just talk to that guy. Oh, you can no. do all of that from right there. I've yeah. been going all the way back to <laughs> Jubilife every single time. It was just like last week where I found this out. And I was like, oh, oh damn. Oh, yeah. No. That guy's your one-stop oh, no. shop for like, yeah, like you said, buying items, changing Pokemon in and out of your party. I, yeah, yeah. Man, I, that's one thing I, I wish you could just change Pokemon in and out of your party from anywhere. Like, I, yeah, I, you could do that in Sword and Shield, right? Yeah, my my like, it, it sucks. Don't get me wrong. I wish I could do it. But my like conceptual justification was like in Sword and Shield, they have the like PC technology where right. they can transport your Pokeballs <laughs> back and forth wherever. Right. And here they don't have that technology. They don't have the internet still, yet. Yeah, exactly. The internet hasn't been invented yet, so they don't have that technology. But it still sucks because it's a mechanic that we had before, which made things more convenient. And now we don't have it in this one. Yeah, and that's that's one of the few things where they've kind of gone backwards yeah. on quality of life stuff, but yeah. yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, so like just getting back to the the crafting, the one thing that made this crafting like tolerable is gathering ingredients uses your Pokémon. You throw yep. your Pokémon out to 
headbutt a tree and some apricorns will fall out. Or mm-hmm. to you throw your Pokemon out to uh, bash some stones and gather some ore or something like mm-hmm. that. They get a little bit of experience for doing that. It's not much, Super but it cool. does it does add up if you do it a lot. Yeah. And the other thing that makes this cool is that I'm pretty sure that using them like that like that also builds uh, friendship for mm-hmm. the Pokemon that need friendship to evolve. Yep. And you can throw your Pokemon out and you don't have to wait for them. You can just run and they'll return to you. So you're, you're mm-hmm. like running through the area. You see a tree, just throw the Pokeball at the tree. Your Pokemon will take care of it. You keep going. They'll catch yeah. up to you. So it, it doesn't ever like feel like it's interrupting you to gather crafting ingredients. Absolutely. It, it, never, it never stops the flow. And I think that's a big thing in this is that it, there could have easily been lots of things that kind of hinder that flow or that momentum that you have and they did a lot of they did a lot they did a great job of making that seem very seamless the crafting though like i feel like because of the crafting system your inventory just gets filled up full of crafting ingredients and like 37 kinds of berries and yes i don't like i don't like limited inventory if there doesn't seem like there's a really good reason for it I complained about this in the uh, Earthbound episode. The Earthbound inventory system is way worse than this game, though. (laughs) Like, I feel like they only limited your inventory to give you something to spend money on in this game. Yeah, And I don't like it at all. I I ended up crafting things just to make space in my inventory. Yeah. I'm just going to craft Pokeballs. I'm just going to craft, even though I'm not using, like, Super Potions or Revives or whatever that much. I'm just going to craft all that stuff so I can have inventory space. Yep. You craft to you craft to make inventory space. You're I am constantly throwing away things that could be useful because like yeah. there's something that I really need, but I don't have inventory space for it. Like a you know a ball of mud is a useful mm-hmm. tool for catching certain Pokemon, but it was yes. like one of the first things I threw away every time yes. just to make inventory. Even when you max out your inventory slots, you still don't have it's enough inventory enough. space. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's that's one a, of yeah, one of the big things I complain about in this game. Yeah, a hundred percent. I I wish the inventory was was better, but the mud was something I also like learned like further on. I was like, oh, if I get seen, just toss a couple of mud or like the the sticky web, the sticky web balls too, like those ones as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess that's my big gripe. One of the biggest yeah. gripes for the game is the inventory system, and the crafting kind of like makes that problem worse. But mm-hmm. I don't hate this as much as I normally hate crafting systems. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm I'm one of those people that I'm just like, you know, not every game has to have a crafting system. Right. Like, not everyone loves this as much as people think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and see, I don't I don't mind crafting systems too much. I think this one is, is good. I think a lot of games get way too complex with their crafting systems. And I think this is simplistic enough to, to be fine. But like you were saying, when it comes to money and it comes to all that stuff in inventory space, it kind of just it makes that stuff useless. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not bad. Yeah. It, it was really just, it's really just the invent. If you had unlimited inventory or if you had like right. a separate bag for crafting ingredients, I don't think mm-hmm. I would have minded this uh, really at all. If you are thinking about this as a kind of role-playing experience, you are gearing up to go take on whatever challenge there is out in the world so it makes sense like okay i'm gonna craft as many pokeballs as i can i'm gonna craft some revives i'm gonna you know make some potions 
Um, right. I'm going to make sure I got some berries and stuff like that. That makes sense, but they they didn't really refine that as well as I think they could have. The, there's too many berries. That's my main thing. There's like there's 40, so there's many like 40 fucking kinds of berries, <laughs> and there's most of them are exactly the same. You could just yeah. make them all the same berry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there's, a, a, like, the big ones make sense. Like, you use orange berries to give it to Pokemon. Like, raspberries makes them easier to catch. Like, th- those kind of things, it's, like, makes yeah. sense. But, like, all those other ones, I'm just, like, I'm usually, th- what's happening is they're usually being made for, like, other things, like potions and stuff like that. Or I'm just using them to toss to distract Pokemon. But other than that. Yeah, they're useful. I just, there's, like, six different effects that berries can have. And there's mm-hmm. like 35 types of berries. There, <laughs> you could cut that in half. Um, yeah. Anyway, so the final thing I guess to talk about before we get into the battle system uh, itself is your main objective is to go to these noble Pokemon and uh, tame them because they've kind of been yeah. driven crazy. So the noble Pokemon gets you into this like. I don't know. This this is something I never expected in a Pokemon game. It you have like these third person shooter sections. Yeah, it's uh, like action RPG kind of sections in Pokemon that yeah. I was not expecting. So it's like a um, these Pokemon have moves with wind ups that you can yep. like you can see the animation and be like, oh, this attack's coming. I got to dodge out of the way. Uh, some of them will like highlight areas of the ground where like an attack will land you have to get out of those areas uh mm-hmm. it's really interest this is where that dodge roll really comes in handy absolutely did you have trouble with these at all not not the like the beginning ones and they start out relatively straightforward and simplistic but towards the end they start getting to like almost like bullet hells like some of them reminded me of like um oh my gosh i'm completely blanking on the game name uh Hard game, very difficult. Bullet hell, third person. Returnal. Returnal. Yeah, some of these remind me of like not 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 difficulty. So I don't think it's going to be like as hard as right, Returnal right. kind of stuff. But just like the, the the style of it was very uh, familiar and reminiscent of stuff and things like that. So I was just like, wow, this gets this gets kind of wild. And there's lots of them where I ended up dying a couple times, which was I wasn't expecting. Yeah, I had literally just beaten Returnal before I started playing oh, this nice. game. So I like. <laughs> Those came up and I was like, okay, like, okay, Pokemon, like you think you think you got something. I, I just be I just got the secret ending for Returnal. Like oh, nice. slow down there, Pokemon. Uh however, they do get kind of tough later on. Mm-hmm. Um I would say so there's again, there's only five of these, but mm-hmm. number three, four, and five, I died at least once yeah. in each battle. They have this cool system where like when you die, you can totally restart the battle if you want mm-hmm. to. But you can also restart with like a portion of your progress already like taken right. away off of the health bar of the uh, of the noble Pokemon. So you don't have to like. It's not one of these things where it's like you're gonna bang your head up against this for hours and hours. Yeah. Uh, again, this is a Pokemon game. This is something that children right. should be able to play. But it, what I really liked is the option. I think that's what a lot of people want from Pokemon. Like it has to. It's Pokemon is something that's accessible for everybody. It has to be fun for someone that's eight and fun for someone that's like 80 years old playing and get something out of that Mm -hmm. Uh, and i think just that little mechanic that they added if you want something harder then it's there again these aren't going to be like returnal levels of like 
boss difficulty. But if you want a little more challenge with that, you can restart every time you die instead of starting at a point where like you've already notched off some of the the boss's health and everything like that. So the, I like having that option of, of deciding which one you want to do. Yeah, exactly. It it hurts nobody to give an option. No, absolutely. So, yeah, there's, uh, there's that. So like in these things, the way it works is you're always given these kind of like bombs that you're throwing at the Pokemon mm-hmm. to calm them down. And so you, you, you have to hit them with like, you know, a hundred of these throughout the course of a battle. So you're just constantly yeah. pelting them with these things as you dodge their attacks. And then at a certain point, the game will prompt you, throw out one of your Pokemon, you can actually fight it. Uh, you can't catch them, but you can fight them and you can do huge damage to them if you're able to get a, uh, like a super effective move on them Absolutely. that will, it will end this like, battle screen it'll also take a huge amount of their health bar away uh, during the Mm -hmm. boss fight so some of these fights i never got to that like the first one i never fought with my own pokemon because i again i was like literally final boss of returnal into the first boss of this (laughs) game and i like i just Just destroyed it cleaver down (laughs) yeah but later in the game i I definitely um needed all the help i could get because they do get kind of challenging you can still only take like three hits. So yeah, exactly. you die quickly, which makes sense because these are really dangerous. Some of these Pokemon are huge. You know, it would make oh, sense yeah. they would kill you in, in you know, half a second. Yeah. I, I would say that if I was angry and I got hit with a bag of my favorite food, that wouldn't make me any happier. I would, <laughs> exactly. just, be, I would just be more angry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thing about like, if I'm in a bad mood and my wife just like puts a couple of tacos in a bag and throws <laughs> it at my head, like that's not going to make me feel any better for sure. But you have tacos now. That's true. So, yeah, mean, that's got to weigh the pros. And, you got to weigh the pros and cons here. A little bit messy, but the uh, it gets the job done. And it's the same way yeah. in the game. Exactly. <laughs> Some of those battles were kind of cool. Like the, the patterns mm. of the attacks are like, again, it's an unfavorable comparison. We've been mentioning Returnal a bunch. It's not a mm. good comparison for this game because Returnal is like, you know, crafted to be this level of challenge with that. But exactly. this is pretty fun. This, this, I, I'd said like this had potential to be really, really bad, and I thought it was pretty fun. Did you have a favorite one? Uh, the fourth one, which is Avalug, oh, I yeah. think. Mm, well, y- yeah. Yeah, the that, fourth or the last one. I think that's the fourth one because the last okay. one is uh, we won't say what it is. The last one was really really cool, and I'll, I'll talk yes. about that in the spoiler section. I, I, I remember, I remember. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the the fourth one, Avalug, was uh, was a good time. That's the one that reminded me of a Returnal uh, because there's just like there, he's just tossing stuff at you. You got a dodge roll and everything, which is it's just interesting. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, that's those noble Pokemon things that makes up most of your main quest um, until yeah. the end. And then after you're done with all those, there's a little bit more main quest to do. We'll talk about that in the, the spoiler section. So yeah, we are going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about the battle system in Legends Arceus.
So the battle system in Legends Arceus has been changed. Uh, not a ton, but there are changes to it. Uh, number mm-hmm. one, I feel like battles are quicker. Um, maybe, oh, absolutely. I haven't played Sword and Shield in a couple years, so maybe it's not as different as I remember, but these are snappy uh, battles. They mm-hmm. they go by pretty quickly. Um I feel like they're harder in general than the average Pokemon game. I feel like you take more damage from an average attack in this game. And if yeah. you get if you get hit with a super effective move in a regular Pokemon game, it's probably not going to be a one-hit kill, but in this yeah. game it usually is. Yeah, I would say that most of the time and like you were saying in, in- Regular Pokemon, it is. It feels like a lot of a back and forth. You're doing an attack, they're doing attack. But it almost seems that in this instance, like if you do have a super effective move, whoever's going first is for the most part going to one-shot the other Pokemon. Right. And a lot of the enemy Pokemon you come across, especially trainers and then alpha Pokemon, they have mm-hmm. extremely diverse move sets that will like oh, cover yeah. their own weaknesses really well. So you you can't just be like, okay, I have a fighting type going up against a Snorlax. This is going to be easy because that Snorlax probably has a psychic move or something like that that will mess you up, especially if it's an alpha uh, Pokemon. Yeah. Uh, But one way to get around this is the kind of new uh, Agile and... uh, It's called Agile Moves and Strong Moves. Strong, uh, yeah, Agile Style and, and, and Strong Style. Yeah, so the you can choose what kind of like strength you want to put on these moves, and mm. they give you a uh, turn order on the side. I think it's the first time in any Pokemon game that the turn order yeah. has been visible. Mm-hmm. So this is something I really love in a lot of um, turn-based games, like uh, Final Fantasy X, I think, has one of the best turn-based systems because they give you this, and you can manipulate it with the moves uh, that you mm-hmm. use. And then depending on what move you use, it will affect the order and you can predict it. And in this game, it's uh, the same. So if you use an agile move, you are sacrificing power for speed. And a lot of times it will let you get two moves in a row. Right. And if you use a strong move, it will give you bonus power and bonus accuracy, which is a big deal. Uh, But if you don't kill that Pokemon, they're going to get to go two times in a row and your Pokemon's probably dead after that. They can also take advantage of the agile and strong style moves too. And they will take advantage of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. One thing that is interesting to that as well is like these aren't necessarily accessible right at the beginning. As you go through and as you battle and as your Pokemon level up and that you use their moves more, they will start to master those moves. And once they master the moves specifically, then you have access to either agile or strong style for that move specifically. Right, exactly. And there are items you can find that give you instant mastery of a move. So if you if you catch a Pokemon and you want to take it into uh, an important battle right away, you can give them mm-hmm. one of those items and uh, give you full control over one of their moves. Mm-hmm. And this starts out as being like a very predictable mm-hmm. system early in the game because the battles are easy. Later in the game, the battles get really hard and you really have to take advantage of this system to make sure that you get as many turns as you can and kill the other Pokemon before they get two turns in a row. Because basically anyone who gets, well, that's not true. If the other Pokemon in some of these later battles gets two turns in a row, you are going down for yeah, sure. 
Because usually what they can do is they will agile style, giving them access to two moves in a row, and they'll strong style the second one, right. giving a, a, a stronger powered move, which for the most part can take out your Pokemon depending on you know the right. Pokemon and the super effectiveness and everything. And it's it's very rare that you're going to survive both the the yeah, agile exactly. and the strong one. So it's an interesting system, and it it just gives a little layer of strategy onto the fights, especially later in the game. Mm. It's not as predictable as like, so a lot of the games that give you the turn order and you can Mm -hmm. see and manipulate it, that's because they want you to have perfect information. You know, Mm -hmm. you want to know exactly what's going to happen, but because the other Pokemon can take advantage of this system too, you'd never have totally perfect information. Yeah, exactly. It just makes it harder. And uh, a lot of times too, like, You'll use the turn order thing to your advantage to take out a Pokemon. Then the next one switches in. They get to go first, and they might get two turns in a row. And so I'm going to make a sweeping statement here. But like past maybe halfway in the game, you're never going to have a trainer battle where only one of your Pokemon just wipes out the entire team. That like never happens in this game. No, 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 no. And like, like you were saying too, sometimes we get into a battle and they'll throw out another Pokemon and that one just will go twice or, or three times sometimes because depending on the battle you're doing and you just, you don't have nothing to do about that. You don't get to go. You're, you're slower than the other Pokemon. You don't get a chance to go yet. Right. And so speed is really important in this game. And um, you can get items to increase the, I think it's increasing the EVs um, of your Pokemon. That's another thing that I didn't take advantage of early on was the grits and everything like the, the grit rock and all, all that stuff that could boost your, your Pokemon stats. Uh, also there is a kind of like farming area kind of in the back of Jubilife. And what you could do is you can farm you. It's, it's a side quest where you give this guy Pokemon. And if you give him a rock type and a water type, he'll begin to like plant stuff and farm stuff for you. you what you can mm-hmm. do is farm things called mints and mints can change the nature of your Pokemon. So you can also change it to be a nature that is beneficial for the Pokemon that you're using too. Oh, that's cool. I didn't even know that. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. I definitely took advantage of the, uh, the, the grit gravel and the grit rocks. Yeah. Cause I you want, <laughs> you want maximum speed and maximum attack power on a lot of the Pokemon defense is really your Pokemon are going to get killed anyway. So like, yeah, you want to focus on speed, make sure you get to go first and then make sure you can do as much damage as possible. Uh, because yeah. I would say there's, and like I said, I didn't even beat I didn't beat the post-game content. I know there's really, really hard post-game content that I didn't get to, but even the stuff that I did do is the hardest battle in, like, any Pokemon game that I can remember. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah, it's... The battle system is challenging, and that's what a lot of people want from Pokemon. They want some challenge. Mm -hmm. So you do get that, uh, but it's... Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. I'm not, like... I'm not a big fan of this, but it is a good yeah. step to take, I think. I think I can agree with you, and I think that I am a fan of it because of how different it is. And I think that's what adds to the difficulty. I mean, it's it's difficult in, in nature because of, of the way that it's it's kind of built, but it's difficult also because we've all had a very specific understanding of how Pokemon battles work 
throughout the entirety of our lives. It's been the same aside from throwing in, you know, odd mechanics that never return like mega evolutions or Z crystals or Dynamax or whatever. But for the most part, the the core of Pokemon battles have never changed. So like them changing in this is also the players having to adapt to the new style of battle. That's true. Yeah, I definitely came into this with like, and like the first half of the game kind of went through with like this cocky attitude. Like I've been playing Pokemon yeah. <laughs> since I was in fifth grade. I know, I know what the what fuck's going on here. And then I, a couple, like I did get party wiped several times in this game. And that like never happens in a regular Pokemon game. Yeah, That didn't happen to me until, until a little bit later, but I didn't realize that because usually in Pokemon games, when your team gets wiped, you block out and then you go back to the center or whatever. I didn't realize mm-hmm. that when you do wipe, you can still run around the world and just make your way back to like a tent or something. Yeah. And heal up and go back into battles, which I thought was cool. That is cool. So it's like all, all my Pokemon are like passed out dead. Yeah. You know, I have to escape like oh yeah. shit all my pokemon got taken out i gotta run like yeah. get the fuck out of here that's kind of exactly. cool yeah because your trainer still has a health so it's like they have a separate health outside of your pokemon so if, mm-hmm. if you're still good to go you can still run away uh one little thing i don't know if, if you saw this too that i thought was interesting where if your pokemon is on like low yellow or red health and you toss it out to kind of look at it it'll be all like dizzy and i'll have like little stars around its head and oh everything. i didn't notice that that's cool which is which is a cool little touch because they're weak and they're exhausted so they that that shows in the 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 animations after you throw the pokemon out interesting yeah that is pretty cool yeah a couple other changes to the battle system uh status effects are different in this game than they've used oh, than they were before yeah, it's so weird that's another thing that took a <laughs> took getting used to I still cannot get the hang of like sleep. So like, for example, sleep doesn't put enemies to sleep. It makes them drowsy. So it gives them a percent chance of doing their turn or just being too drowsy to move. So it's a little unpredictable. Uh, Kind of, I guess it's just similar to uh, being paralyzed now. That's fair. The other thing is that um, status effects wear off after a certain amount of turns which did never used to happen. Yeah, not only that, but you can override some too. Like it used to be that only sleep could override a status effect and that's only if the Pokemon is doing it. But I had poisoned something and then I used a fire type move on it and the burn overrid the poison. Like I got mm-hmm. the burn from like a flamethrower or something and that overrid the poison, which yeah. also doesn't happen. Um, but yeah, when it comes to like the the new status effects and I was actually just talking about that. I did a thread on this on Twitter. Uh, it'll be interesting if scarlet and violet adapt these status effects so i'm curious of how that would work in a competitive format because like you said sleep is now drowsiness which you have a percentage for your move not to work because your pokemon's too drowsy but then freeze was also changed to frostbite where now your pokemon instead of being frozen kind of takes residual damage similar to something like burn yeah it's an interesting change i am not sure that i love it but it's yeah I, I think it would be interesting and competitive. I think that sleep should go back to how it normally is. I think sleep should stay the same. I think that I kind of like frostbite. And if it was almost like an opposite of burn, because if you're burned, you take the residual damage and your attack gets lowered, your attack gets cut in half. Mm-hmm. If it did the opposite, if frostbite took that residual damage and also lowered your special attack, that would be an interesting competitive aspect to add into the already existing formula of battles. Yeah, that's that's I'm not a competitive player, so that didn't even mm. enter into my mind. But that would be interesting <laughs> yeah. if they are going to yeah. kind of adopt this in future games. Mm. Yeah, 
I don't know. I kind of liked how in a very, very difficult battle, mm-hmm. giving them a status effect was more powerful in the older games. In yeah. this game, it's not as, you know, you're fighting a legendary Pokemon, put them to sleep, it's going to be a lot easier for you. And in this game, it just doesn't have that same effect. But Absolutely. I don't, I don't hate it. It was just an interesting change. I wonder... I, I just I wonder why 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 did they feel like they needed to change this stuff uh, so much? Yeah, maybe because like with freeze and with sleep that renders the Pokemon incapable of attacking, and they wanted to keep this like quick battles, this quick in and out formula, this fast snappiness that that kind of keeps the momentum going, and maybe in battles where it's like you're you're sleep and you're not doing anything for four turns or you're frozen you can't do anything and just like we were saying before how if you can't outspeed the pokemon you die in one hit then that kind of mitigates that too and being fully asleep or having turns where you're frozen you're just going to get one shot by pokemon that are attacking you that's true you it would be really lame if you if a pokemon put you to sleep and then used like two strong attacks in a row and then just kill right, you exactly that would be kind of lame yeah at least with drowsiness, you have a percentage of landing your attack. There's just a percentage that you won't either. Right. And I would like I was when I first saw this, I was kind of worried like, oh, sleep is a really powerful tool for catching Pokemon. I, I hope this doesn't yeah, make yeah, it. Yeah. I hope this doesn't make it harder to catch legendary Pokemon, but it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. Just having a status effect still gives you that bonus, even if it's not as mm-hmm. strong as maybe sleep was. Yeah, exactly. So. Uh, yeah, that's, I think that's a lot of the gameplay stuff covered. Um, mm-hmm. there's some quality of life stuff that they did, uh, in this game, uh, as far as like the Pokemon franchise goes. One thing that I yeah. thought was really, really cool is your Pokemon can still only have four moves at a time, but the moves that they don't, the moves they forget are not forgotten forever. There's a trainer mm-hmm. who can... You can just go talk to them. Actually, I think that guy at the camp can do this too. No, you can you can do this from your menu. Never mind. Yeah, you, you can do this from your menu. If you go into the menu and click the Pokemon, you can change those moves at will. There will be right. the four moves that you have and then the, the move pool of moves that they have access to depending on their level. And you could swap those in and out at any time, yeah. which is, is such a cool idea. And it one is. of the things that's going to be like, if this isn't in the next game, that's going to kind of feel like a, like a, a step backwards because it feels so inventive. Yeah. So like there was a little bit of strategy to picking the four moves for your Pokemon to know. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know. Like it always sucked for people who are not super familiar with the games to get rid of a move that's really good for a move that sounds really good, but is actually bad. I remember when I was a kid, I had my, my Charizard in my first Pokemon game and it was learning to move fire spin, which sucks. It's a terrible move. (laughs) And, but I was like, Oh, this, this thing's like level like 55 or whatever. It's learning this move called fire spin. This has to be Mm. better than flamethrower, right? Because it's, you know, it's a higher level. It's you, you learn, you learn better moves at higher levels, but that's, that's not how it works. So that sucked. And then it was like, okay, well you can never get flamethrower back again, but in this game, you don't have to worry about that. It's all, you can do it on the fly. Um, if you know, you have a specific battle coming up, that's really hard. You can customize your party for that. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's just really cool. It's, it's something I can't, 
I, we could have said this like a bunch of times throughout the episode, but I can't believe it took them, you know, 25 <laughs> years long. to do this. Yeah. And, and Sword and Shield kind of, and the, and the Sun and Moon kind of mitigated those where like you can go into the Pokemon centers and the Marts and you can have, you can have them relearn moves, right. but it, that's still, that's still a generation before. And it took them that long to be able to, to do stuff like that. Like usually those, those were like remote trainers in like the eighth gym town where you can find them and they can teach your Pokemon moves again, but you still have to give them things like heart scales or anything like that. Yeah. So that, that's really cool. Just kind of Absolutely. taking away the friction taking away because like a lot of times in a pokemon game well that's not true the newer ones they'll show you what new moves do when you're learning them i was specifically yeah, thinking yeah. of the older ones where you're like oh fire spin that sounds cool i don't have any information to <laughs> make this choice does. based on but right exactly um exactly but it, it it's cool because it makes this game actually like start to feel like an rpg too yeah like a, like a jrpg like almost like you have your team and you can swap in and out moves for specific battles you can you can do all that on the fly which is really cool yep a couple other things we mentioned before there's no hms hms have been out of pokemon for a little while now that was a great choice hms were like i see what they were back in the day but they became very annoying uh they got rid of those they're not in this game either uh there's no tms in this game you have a trainer Mm -hmm. in the village that can teach your pokemon new moves tms in theory sound cool but i like this better uh because yeah they did this where tms were single use and then you can use tms as many times as you want and now it's like well why even bother with the tm just have a person who can teach moves to pokemon that can learn them right exactly experience share for the whole party is in this game which they did Mm -hmm. in sword and shield and that is something that i love and frankly makes it very hard to play older Pokemon games again without experience <laughs> share on the whole party. Yeah. It, it makes some old, older ones more of like a, more of a challenge than they used to be too, because now it's like, it's more of a like strategical, like, okay, who am I, who am I giving the XP share to? I have to swap in and out Pokemon. Right. And it, it, it doesn't feel like they've done a good job with the sword and shield. And then with this one specifically where it feels even between everybody like the, the main pokemon isn't getting a brunt of it you're not going to just over level one pokemon by using that you get a good amount of experience from all the people that are in your party yeah and it is scaled for like what level you're at so low level pokemon yeah. will get more experience than like high, high level, level ones i think yeah so that that's cool it's just you know just take away some of the friction of like evolving cut down on the grind basically like this game does have mm-hmm. some amount of grind in it so taking oh, away yeah. some that you can is is always a good idea i think absolutely absolutely uh the other thing in this game since you are completing the pokedex and you, this is kind of like a solitary mission that you're doing they mm-hmm. got rid of the requirement to trade certain Pokemon to uh, evolve them. Instead, you have mm-hmm. items that you can use. So, yeah. like, to evolve a Graveler, you just need to use this item called, like, a linking cable or something like that to evolve which it into a, a goal. Which is a cool, a cool little nod back to, like, Game Boy, where we had to use the link cable to trade. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. And then uh, all of those other ones, like, you know, you want to evolve Scyther, you can use the certain, mm-hmm. you can just use the metal coat. You don't have to uh, make him hold it and then trade it. Which makes so much sense. I know it, it was kind of instilled into the formula before to 
you know, incentivize interaction with other players. And you can still trade in this game. You can still trade with other yeah. people and everything. Um, but it makes sense that if someone requires a specific item to, to evolve, giving them that item, just like evolutionary stones, should be enough to make them evolve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it it works really, really well. And I really appreciate yeah. it as somebody who, like, I, I know a lot of people who are playing this game, but I don't, I don't want to, like, set up, you know, hey, man, when are you available to trade? Because I need to evolve right. this Kadabra. Like, mm-hmm. it lowers the friction so much that it, it just makes it, like, a lot better, I think. And like I said, you can still trade if you want to. And the trading... Yeah. The trade? Have you done it? The trading animation is crazy. It's cool. It's, it's st- still in a like backwards village where all of the uh, all the houses are made out of like wood and brick, but yet created rocket ship pokeballs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> trade. Yeah. <laughs> um, but again, this this is just like going back to what we said. Options. Like if you don't want to trade with people, then you don't have to. You there's an item to evolve Pokemon that are required with trade. But if you want to trade with friends, then you can do that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh it's yeah. really cool. Can you battle with people? I haven't even tried. No, there's no, no there's no com- there's no competitive multiplayer or battling other people in this game. It's just uh the single player experience. Cool. I yeah. uh I dig a single player experience as people who listen yeah. to this show know. So, I appreciate <laughs> all of those things that make Pokémon a lot more accessible and easy for someone yeah. who's just playing by themselves. Absolutely. Cool. So, any other uh kind of mechanics that you think we we missed? No, I think I think we covered all of it. There's a lot. So if we missed some, then it's understandable because this game has a lot of mechanics to it, a lot of new mechanics, mm-hmm. and uh, I think a lot of them were for the, for the better, changes for the good. Yeah, totally agree. So let's uh, let's take a little break. When we come back, we'll get some kind of final thoughts in summary, and then a little housekeeping before spoiler time. So final thoughts kind of summarize the way that we feel about Pokemon Legends Arceus. Guest always goes first. So Jared, what do you want people to know about the game? Yeah, so Pokemon's Le- Pokemon Legend Arceus is almost everything that I wanted as a Pokemon game as a kid. It, it Playing it initially gave me that kind of like child sense of wonder of being like, this is this is what I thought this would be like. Like we always thought, like oh, it's like the, the the Pokemon anime, and then the games are just kind of two separate entities, and they don't really like the rules don't necessarily apply to both of them. But this puts a lot of that into context, and a, it it makes a lot of sense with a lot of the things. Like Pokemon will attack you. Pokemon are running around the overworld. You can sneak up to them. You can toss Pokeballs at them. You know, you can lose health and you can die and everything. Pokemon are flying around. Like all of this stuff just adds to the immersion. And I think that is probably the most important thing in this is being immersed into the world. And all the mechanics and all of the crafting and interacting with the world makes that fantastic. I think that there is little things here and there. You can say what you want about the graphics, but for me, I didn't have any issues with it. That did not deter my experience at all. I will say some of the performance stuff, like um, some of the Pokemon uh animations at a slower frame rate does be like oh yeah this is a video game uh i I didn't touch on it before but 
because I do get so immersed in this game at times I'm exploring, they there are invisible walls. So you'll run into a wall and it's grayed out and you're like, you can't go any further. And I'm like, oh, yep, okay, that's right. And I'll turn around and fly back the other way. So th- those little things uh, tend to pull me out of the experience, but neither of them were enough to make me feel like I didn't enjoy my time. I'm 50 hours in. I'm planning to complete the Pokedex. I want to do it. And I've been enjoying my time so far. And I, yeah, those are my final thoughts. Yeah. Play it. Yeah, man. I think I said this at the beginning of the episode, but I had like super high expectations, like impossibly high, like no game could have met what I thought this game could be, but this game did, It, it got there. Like, so when I was, I've been on some other shows talking about Pokemon in some capacity and stuff like that. And the comparison I always made is that like, if you remember when Pokemon Go first came out and people were just yeah, like, yeah, it was yeah. like this magical two weeks where everyone was like so excited about like walking around and seeing Pokemon. And like, I, I have this memory of like, I was in a park and some dude from across the other end of the park was like, Hey everybody, there's a Scyther over here. And then people like ran <laughs> to the other side of the park. Yeah, and I got yeah, that I same that. joyous feeling playing this game as mm-hmm. that, as that was. And like, it's it's crazy to me how they I'm sure that when they were making this game they knew like people have literally been asking this since like the year 2000 when open mm-hmm. world started to become more popular like and so like yeah. I don't know they they must have had an incredible amount of pressure to like make this the game that all these like lifelong fans wanted and I think they succeeded yeah. really really well so like yeah I would recommend this game to Basically, if you if you hate Pokemon, you hate the idea of Pokemon, then don't play this game because it's still a Pokemon right. game. But like I would recommend this to of course Pokemon fans like you and I, but also mm-hmm. like all those people out there who played Pokemon when they were kids and loved it and then just got tired of it or fell off of it for yeah. whatever reason, this is a game that can like spark that joy back. Absolutely. And it's an incredible achievement, I think. Mm-hmm. no yeah same if you fell off at the pokemon games because the 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 mechanics got monotonous mm-hmm. and samey then this definitely will change things up and i think will be interesting and good open world because we also have open world fatigue every game come, that comes out is open world and this is just big enough where i feel, feel like well for me personally it's accessible because there's lots of games like the Assassin's Creed Valhalla's where they're just like huge or even just like Dying Light 2. They're like 500 hours to complete. And it's like, I don't, I don't want that. Like that's, that's way too big for me. Like, and th- this is an accessible, digestible, satisfactory open world. Yeah. The, the open world here feels big, but it's not, it's not unwieldy at all. It's no, exactly. especially once 100%. you get the ability to fly, you can cross the entire map in a couple of minutes. It's, it's yep. not so bad. Yeah. It's a it's a very good game. Like I said, I'm recommending this to people who fell off of the franchise for whatever reason. Um, maybe you got tired of the lack of innovation or something like that. This uh, this game will probably have something that you like. So, yeah. Before I start talking about me, uh, Jared, let everybody know <laughs> where they can find uh, Play Along Podcast. Yeah, so you can catch our show, Play Along Podcasts, on all podcasting platforms, whatever you listen to on. If you listen to some obscure pod chaser 
then let us know and we'll try to get the show on that as well. <laughs> but for the most part, we're everywhere. Uh, we have a link tree on all our social media, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all of that's on there. So go check that out. Uh, yeah, come listen to our show. We're playing through Disco Elysium. If you're interested in Disco Elysium just a little bit or conceptually and you've heard of it, come check out our thoughts on our show because we've been enjoying it so far. Yep. Um, and I'll put links to your social media stuff. I'll put links, uh, whatever links you have, I'll put them down in the show notes for this episode so people can easily find you guys. Again, uh, Play Along Podcast is a show that I listen to, so I definitely recommend uh, everybody else check them out. By the time you hear this, once that Disco Elysium series will be done, but uh, yeah. they'll be they'll be on Starting another, something new. Yeah, they'll be on something new, and it, it's. I, I was going to ask you guys at the beginning or ask you at the beginning and I forgot, but it's interesting how like you each kind of just dictate one game uh, for the show. Yeah. So like, it's always a surprise. Like I feel like when I'm listening to the end of one game and the next person is going to announce their choice, it's a surprise yeah. for you guys in that moment. Right? Yeah. Cause what we were doing before in the very beginning was it was kind of a conversation. So we would talk about like, you know, what game we want to play next and everything like that. Um, but now Ben brought up the idea of like, well, what if the co-hosts also are in the dark about the game? So they're also learning right where the listeners are learning. And we still have some insight. Like we talk about pricing. We talk about platform. Like, do you have this platform? Is this pricing okay? Is it on Game Pass? Um, but for the most part, we keep the game itself hidden from the other two uh, co-hosts, which is always it's just always fun. Yeah, it's a, it's a really cool moment every time a game is announced. And there's been a yeah. couple where a game was announced and someone on the show is like, Oh man, like what? I have to play this game, but it's, it is cool. I I enjoy that. That that was kind of the reaction when I told them we were playing super Mario RPG and they're just like, it was like, Oh yeah, let's try it out. And Kyle was just like, okay. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) I remember you, you guys played like a kind of obscure, like it was like a halo side game or something like that. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So what we do, too, is kind of like in between to kind of separate our big games that we do, our big main series, we'll just do kind of like one and done games, whether they're like really short or just kind of like a game that we only spend a week playing. And we played through Halo Spartan Assault, which was a mobile top down isometric Halo game. Right. Which was interesting. (laughs) I remember like someone announced that and everyone else was like, oh, Halo. Oh, wait. Halo what now? Like halo what halo yeah, yeah exactly. I, I wasn't the one that picked that because i hadn't played it before i was like let's try it out uh it was all right <laughs> it's fine <laughs> so it's okay yeah again everyone check out play along podcast it's a it's one of my uh weekly shows that i listen to i really really enjoy oh, it so thanks. go check them out um now it's time to talk about me so if you would like to support tales from the backlog uh subscribe if you haven't already Uh, on your platform of choice. If you feel like this show uh, is uh, contributing to good feelings, or uh, if you're enjoying listening to the show, please, please leave a rating and review. Uh, If you listen on Apple, Spotify, Podcast Addict, uh, Good Pods, wherever you're listening to shows, uh, if you feel like uh, this has brought some value into your life, please, please, please leave a rating and review. <laughs> I also do a show called A Top Three Podcast, where uh, my friends from high school and I pick a topic. We do our top threes. Uh, we actually did an episode on top three Gen 1 Pokemon. So if you're a Pokemon fan, Ooh, go check yeah. that out. That show's a good time. You can find links to that down in the episode description or just search A Top Three Podcast with the number three in there. 
We are going to take a break. When we come back, it's spoiler time for Pokemon Legends Arceus. All right, we're back, and it is spoiler time for Pokemon Legends Arceus. First things to talk about, so, like, the the Pokedex is kind of cut to... I should have said this before the spoiler wall. I always do this. Take a drink, everybody. This is a common thing on the show. <laughs> something I should have said before the spoiler wall. I guess this is something I could ask you about uh, Sword and Shield, too, because there's the big controversy about cutting down the Pokedex and, like, not yeah. being able to get everything. First of all, did you like it in Sword and Shield? And then in this game, it's cut down even further. There's only 240 or something like that. Do you mm-hmm. feel like there's enough Pokemon in here to keep you busy? Uh, yes to both of those questions. I put out a tweet and I said, for, Sor- for Scarlet and Violet, I was like, we don't need a national dex. There is too many Pokemon. I'd much rather have a hand-picked set of truncated Pokemon that Game Freak, th- Game Freak thinks fits best in this world. And I think that in Sword and Shield, that was great. I think the Pokedex was fine. There was still like 500 plus Pokemon in Sword and Shield, which is already a ton. And then this, <laughs> it, it's fine too, because there's already there's a ton of Pokemon everywhere. If there was more, I think it would kind of be a little overwhelming. But like 500 is still a lot of Pokemon. We're up yeah. in the, like easily in the thousands now with all the forms, and we don't need every single one. Yep. I could not agree more. I... Yeah. I get people for Sword and Shield. I get people who felt like, you know, I spent a lot of time completing the decks and now I can't do that anymore. And you feel like you've wasted time, I guess. Like, I I understand that feeling, but I feel like the people who are completing the decks is such an insignificant portion of the player base that you can't release a new Pokemon game and have over a thousand Pokemon in it. Like, that's just not something you can reasonably expect of them. So right. I was a fan and, of the the change in Sword and Shield. Go ahead. Yes. Oh, I was just going to say, like, and with, like, completing the Pokedex is fine. Like, I'm fine with with doing all those. I just don't necessarily think that, like, those all of those mods need to travel over to the next one. Like, it's mm-hmm. fine. Like, some of your favorites, I understand, like, some people's favorites might not be there. But I, I think that, for me, that's, that's perfectly fine. Yeah. There's enough Pokemon where it's like, you can find another favorite. <laughs> mm-hmm. And in uh, Legends Arceus, I really felt like there were more than enough Pokemon in here to fill out the world. There's, you know, there's the classic ones where you're like, I see, um, you know, I see Zubat everywhere or I see Tentacool everywhere. Like that still happens a little bit, but it's not, even with like Zubat, it's not as bad as the mainline games were, even though there are less Pokemon here. It's, I guess at night, like you're just like, you're going to have like ghastly everywhere at night all the time. Yeah. But yeah, I, I never thought that there was like not enough Pokemon in here, even though this is the, I guess since, uh, since red and blue, this is the least amount of Pokemon that's been in a game. Yeah. 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 I I think too, just like with all of those Pokemon, usually in the older games, a lot of it's locked to either post-game or end-game content. This is the problem I had with BDSP. It's like, you 
stop getting variety after like the fourth gym you just run the same pokemon over and over and over again mm-hmm. and then you start getting more variety like after you beat the elite four and it's just like that's not that's not what you want like right. i'd rather have less pokemon and see more diversity more frequently more early right yeah totally agree so anyway back to legends arceus wanted to get that little discussion yeah. out of the way so tell me some of your favorite uh, Pokemon that you used in this game to fight with or uh, favorite Ooh. teams if you have your team uh, available. Yeah, uh, my team currently constantly is changing just because I'm trying to get the uh, the 10 rank on right. research level and all of them. So I've just been swapping at my team like crazy. But I think ever since Sun and Moon, when they introduced regional variants, I think that's a good way of keeping Pokemon games fresh without having to add more and more Pokemon. Like, mm-hmm. give us a new twist on Pokemon that we already have. And I think that's super interesting. And here specifically, like, I think Quillfish being, I think it's Poison Steel or Poison Dark? Something like that. It, they definitely yeah, changed but, it, yeah. Yeah, but then him also getting an evolution, like Overquill. Like, Quillfish has been underrated for so long and getting an evolution is super cool. Like, mm-hmm. seeing things like that. Uh, so I used one of those. I used Overquill. I thought that was cool. Um, Scyther getting a split evolution with Cleaver and Scizor. I think that's really cool. Rockbug is a cool type, and I think mm-hmm. Cleaver has a has a cool um, design. But that's one of the things that I excited for the uh, excited most in every Pokemon game. Like I just want to play with the new Pokemon. I want to see what these new Pokemon look like, and that's what I uh, am interested in the most when I come into these games. The uh, the new Arcanine form, assuming Arcanine being Rock Fire, I think is interesting too. Mm-hmm. Um, Speaking of new forms, this the starter Pokemon uh, had yeah, new exactly. forms. Like I was super surprised when uh, I saw so I picked um, Cyndaquil as my starter, and I was super Same. surprised to see that Typhlosion is part Ghost in this game. Yeah, I. I think Fire Ghost is awesome typing. I am a little like on the fence about its design. I think if he just had his flames on all the time, it'd be great. Yeah. Like I think with the like ghostly wisps is cool, but it's the same thing with the older Typhlosion. It's just like give give him his little flames back. Cyndaquil has his flames on all the time. Why mm-hmm. does it why do they lose it with that Quilava and and Typhlosion? But um yeah, they have a really cool design. I think what they did with Decidueye is really cool, and then Samurai as well. Like uh, that's what I like about Pokemon, like mixing those kind of things that we're used to up. Yeah. Typhlosion does look a little bit naked without his flames on all the time. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. He's a little sad boy. Who did you start with? Cyndaquil. Same. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Did Did you know that if you go back and talk to the professor, he gives you the other two? Uh, I only figured that out like way late in the game, like after the credits. Yeah. Uh, maybe yeah. that's when it becomes available. I don't know. Maybe. I also did the same thing because I was on another podcast talking about this game and someone told me about that. And I was like, I did not know that. So I, yeah. I just recently went and got the the other two. And then you can find some of the old starters out in the wild. Like the other, yeah. like I found, I found a Turtwig out in the wild uh, one time. Mm. It ran away. I couldn't catch it, but I did see it. So yeah. that kind of made me like be on the lookout for others. i uh, trying to remember mm. like what el- what others did I see out there? I mean, I saw, like, the original, like, I saw the starters that we have, too. I ran to a Rowlet. That's another thing we didn't talk about was, like, the the time-space distortions that show Pokemon that normally <laughs> wouldn't show up in those areas. So, yeah, that's a, that's a whole thing that we missed there. It's another thing, yeah. So, did you, did you um, whenever you saw one of those, did you, like, book it over there? Oh, yeah, but I, did, I, I didn't. Oh, the, the Rifts things? Yeah, yep. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think it's like there's a percentage. If you spend a certain amount of time in the area, then it'll start to form and then it'll actually appear after a certain time, too. Right. But I always went over there because they always had interesting Pokemon like Porygon or some of the starters or some of like the EV evolutions. Yeah, and everything like that. That was my most reliable source of catching EVs was in those places. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Yeah, those those things were interesting. Like it was like something to shake up the exploring but i i wish they're just a little bit more predictable like if i'm looking for i i often just like went in there because i'm like okay something that i've never caught before is probably going to show up here but i could never like predict it you know or like sometimes i would go there and it'd just be like okay a graveler and a a rapidash and a scyther spawn Mm -hmm. all at the same time and then yeah i kind of hide and they go away and then an Eevee and I catch the Eevee and then a Graveler, a Ponyta, and it, yeah, that yeah. does happen a little bit too much. I wish it was a little bit more predictable, but I, I do like how mm. they, they mix it up a little bit in there. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah, so let's see here. Um, So, yeah, did you, like, okay, so let's get to where we might actually have to use some strategy. So later in the game... Yeah. Um. You're building up to this confrontation with uh, Giratina, which I think is I think it's the last noble fight is against Giratina. Is that right? No, it, the last uh, one is against no. uh, Palkia, right? Yeah, it's it's either Palkia or Dialga, depending on um, which you decide to uh, side with. Whether okay. you decide to side with the Diamond Clan or the Pearl Clan. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so that last fight was really cool. The music in that last mm. fight was like incredible. Uh, like. Oh, the music is amazing, yeah. Like, Pokemon music is... Pokemon music sounds like Pokemon music sounds like Pokemon music most of the time, I think. But that final battle confrontation music was, like, some epic shit that, like, you don't hear a ton in Pokemon games, I feel like. Yeah, it was like like anime like fight scene yeah. levels <laughs> yeah. of intensity in these with this music is wild. Yeah, for sure. So that was cool. Um that last fight, like I said, I died maybe like two times in that last fight. Mm-hmm. And then I caught uh in my game it was Palkia. I caught yep, Palkia same. um and I got, you know, twenty five points from the from the professor. Not impressed <laughs> yeah. that I caught Palkia. Um yeah. <laughs> And then you have to fight a uh, Giratina, Giratina, however we say it. Um, and potato, that, potato. that is like one of the hardest fights in any Pokemon. It's harder than like red in, um, in a uh, gold and silver. I feel like it's an incredibly hard fight. And it's one, it's one of those things too, where it's like, it's not only a hard fight, but it's because of the, the situation. So uh, this is the spoiler section. So Volo, the, the character that you had been traveling with for a lot of the time, and he was kind of, he was part of the Ginkgo clan. He was kind of, which is the, 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 the market and the traders. Um, he has been working with you to try to find all of the plates for Arceus. And at the very end, it reveals that he's evil and he's trying to get these plates for malicious reasons. So he can be the one that connects with Arceus and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And you first battle him, which if you don't, you didn't know his team is very similar to Cynthia, who is the the champion of Sinnoh usually. Oh, and Volo, okay. Volo's, Volo's character design and a lot of the characters in this game reflect characters in diamond and pearl and other characters in pokemon games as well but volo's design is very similar to cynthia and his team reflects that too mm-hmm. um 
But after that, then you have to fight Giratina, which is level 70 and very strong. Ghost and Dragon is a very dangerous typing. Um, but even after you beat him the first time, he changes into his other form. And now you have to fight Giratina a second time. So you're right. going through three back-to-back battles that are very difficult. Mm-hmm. And, oh, man, it took me so long to beat this. <laughs> so, like, I got caught twice because I, I beat Volo, but he he... You know, he took out three or four of my Pokemon as it normally happens right. in a difficult battle. And then he brought out Giratina. And I think I beat the first form on my first try, just basically just spamming max revives as soon as something got knocked out. But I, I couldn't outpace the second form mm-hmm. um, of the battle. So it, and then it took me like three tries to finally beat it. I had to very strategically, like, this is the first Pokemon Volo sends out. Let me get a super effective matchup on that one. Make sure Mm -hmm. I kill that in one hit and then, you know, take it from there. And then when the Giratina fight starts, make sure I have a Pokemon out there that can basically tank a hit while I revive something. Uh, And it was this whole strategy. And it was a cool moment where Pokemon is suddenly giving you this really epic thing that like... Yeah. I feel like they have moments in the older games where if you use your imagination, it's epic, but it doesn't feel like it in the game. And then in this game, it actually does feel like it both with that, that Palkia thing and with uh, the Giratina fight. Yeah. And I think what helps with that, which I, I, we might've covered and I don't remember if we do, but during battles, your character can freely walk around the area. (laughs) You can go stay, you can go stand behind the trainer. You can go stand behind the, you can walk around as much as you want. And, me like another a lot of people like oh i wonder what happens if i stand in front of the attacks and it, it kind of knocks your character down right. on its ass which is which is kind of funny but i i think that the giratina fight is interesting and i liked it i do feel like the difficulty is it, it kind of feels like it it hits very quickly very suddenly i feel like it's not kind of like if it was more gradual in battles at least because the 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 out the um not the alphas the um, nova pokemon are hard in a different sense because it's has that action rpg sense to it but the battles none of the other battles seem to come close to this battle with volo and with 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 the two giratina it's like i don't think i used potions or revives at all in my entire playthrough until this battle mm-hmm. and like in this fight my my team was all between level 65 and 70 and yeah same I still, I probably went through like 10 max revives to yeah. to beat the Giratina fight. And I don't feel like that's a great, like, difficulty tuning, you know? Yeah, exactly. I, I I'm, Maybe it's my fault for being too stubborn to go out and grind five more levels, but that's not something that the game really demanded of you until that point. So Exactly. I was more like, nope, I'm just going to max revive my way through this fight and beat it. Mm-hmm. Um, so who were your, if you can remember, who, what was your like MVP in those last fights? Oh, Cresselia. Cresselia yeah. definitely held, held its own because of it be having access to fairy type moves, which is what I really needed for um, that specifically. I mean, it's also weak against Ghost and Giratina has Crunch, which is weak against Dark as well, which doesn't help. Mm-hmm. But that and I kind of just like stacked my team with a bunch of like my some of my beginning Pokemon, but a bunch of legendaries too. Like I had a Regigigas out there and it really was just there to tank hits so I could heal and revive other Pokemon. Mm-hmm. I didn't use him very much because he didn't have a lot for Giratina anyways, being being normal type. But um, it, it, I had that. I had Overquill in 
my the the quillfish evolution um heatran i used heatran as well yeah heatran me too. was good but but again guillotine like you were talking about before it has good uh move variety or like uh coverage like earth power one shot my heatran mm-hmm. like nothing so it's just like um yeah those are the kind of the couples but it was definitely chrysalia that kind of won me that fight yeah i i definitely used chrysalia i used my typhlosion but like the typhlosion just it got destroyed if Giratina got a move in. Um, so oh, yeah. yeah, I used like, I had a, I think a Salamence that mm-hmm. uh, did a lot of damage, but again, Giratina's dragon type. So it would take him out pretty quickly. Uh, the MVP was, I pulled Palkia out of the box after I caught it. Oh yeah. And that yeah, was yeah. my MVP. That was my MVP in the fight because Palkia could tank one dragon move and still and just like spatial rend and then then do a lot of damage yeah and that was so that was my strategy was basically like um i'll throw out heatran because my i think my heatran could survive one of those attacks power yeah Mm. if it did like the agile strong combo twice in a row then no way yeah but yeah that was my strategy was like throw palkia out palkia does some damage then Mm throw out Salamence, Salamence will do some damage and die. Then it's time to start reviving Palkia. And I'll spend like two Pokemon mm. reviving Palkia and then throw them back out and continue. And yeah. that was, I didn't want to go grind. So that was the strategy that got me through it. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a very similar strategy of using Pokemon as fodder as I healed and revived <laughs> and just to get Cresselia back out so I can blast Moonblasts at it to take to will its damage away. Right. Snorlax, Meat Shield basically <laughs> exactly exactly but i like i said i'm on the fence with it i think that it was like a satisfying battle i think that uh being able to get through the the difficulty was was satisfying enough but it do, did feel like it didn't like ramp up in difficulty to this it was just like bam now you're fighting this three battles back to back yeah in which there was times where giratina was hitting me three times in a row yeah and it's it's I, maybe it is partly the three battles back to back. That's my that might be what it is too. Because there's no like healing in between that either. You're, right. if you're like I said, if you lose any Pokemon in Volo, you won't have any time to like. Oh, there's no breaks in between it. Now you're fighting Gear Team, and now you have to take the time to find strategy in which you can max revive the, the dead Pokemon you lost in Volo back in Gear Team. Then right. On the other hand, though, this is the first time that fighting a legendary Pokemon has actually felt like fighting an extremely powerful force. That's, that's very true. I will admit that in most of the games, 99% of the time, by the time you get to said legendary, you have a master ball and you're just going to master ball it anyways. And it right. kind of takes away from the, the, the buildup that they've been hyping this Pokemon as being either like the God of space and time or like the creator of all Pokemon or, or whatever. Right. It, it's like, uh, you know, I'll find this Articuno, and uh, I hope I don't kill it in one hit when I'm trying to whittle down its health. But Giratina, it takes like four or five spatial rends from Palkia to beat it. So you, it does feel like this epic challenge. I just true. That's true. Maybe the, you know, if that would be a really hard balance to make to make it feel like this epic chat where you're literally fighting the creator of the universe, but (laughs) but also needs to be a reasonable amount of difficulty i'm not sure how they would strike that yeah i talk about how i think it was too rampant in its difficulty but i don't know how you scale that either like i don't know how i would 
go about doing that without just like making battles before it more difficult. I don't know. Yeah. Like I said, I think it's less, I think, I think separated from one another, they are still difficult fights, but they're doable fights. I think it's the back to back that makes it more challenging. Yeah. And that's something that if you're fighting Giratina three to five to 10 times, doing that Volo fight just becomes annoying. It doesn't become fun anymore. Oh yeah. It's just tedious. And then when you lose Pokemon in the Volo fight because of like anything, it's just frustrating. And then you're just upset. Yeah, I'm kind of torn on it because it is, in the moment, it was cool where it's like, holy shit, it has a second form. It's morphing, you know? Yeah. Pokemon has, a like I said before, Pokemon has a lot of potential for big epic moments like this, but they don't often mm. tap into it. Or maybe th- even in Sword and Shield, it, it never felt epic fighting sword, the... Sword. Sword and Shield had its own problems. It introduced its legendary like right before the Elite Four, and it was like, "Oh, hey, Turnitus wants to destroy the world." And you're like, "Why? Yeah, what's, what's the motivation here? What is this happening all of a sudden?" Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, that that game had its own issues. <laughs> yeah. So, I think so. Neither of us completed the the Pokedex quest. Uh, no. And I think no, when you're done yet. with that, you probably fight Arceus. Yep. So I imagine so. Yeah, I and I'm wondering if that fight is similar to this, where it's like this insane thing where Arceus is changing types. That would be cool, but mm. I, I don't know anything about it. Yeah, me neither. I haven't looked up anything either. I haven't seen anybody that have finished it, so I don't I don't know what that entails. Okay, uh, let's see. Were there any other like Pokemon when you're trying to catch that were like really challenging to try to catch or try to find, even if you're trying to fill out the decks? Fucking Cherim. Why is Cherim so hard to find? I don't Why think I so ever difficult? found one. It it only spawns in like tree shaking trees, and it's a very low percentage. I've seen two, I think. Uh, nope, that's light. I've seen one Cherim, and I've seen one Cheruby. So I've got lucky, and I've seen both evolutions. But that one specifically, for some reason, is really hard to find. Like it's, It has a very low percentage in that shaking tree. Okay. Yeah, like I, I stopped throwing Pokeballs at the Shaking Trees because I got tired of Burmese popping out. Yeah, Burmese and Combies and the occasional Wormadam and the ever-elusive rare Cherim. Yeah, yeah, like I said, never found one. Um, I think the the baby Pokemon are in this game, right? Like uh, mm-hmm. uh, like Magby and Mime Jr. and stuff like that. Munchlax. Yeah. And I, I heard that a lot of those are really hard to find. I think I found... A Mime um, Junior? Yeah, Mime Junior is actually really easy to find. It's, yeah. it's by, I'm trying to think of what area it's next to. It's kind of near, there's a, there's a, like a little island where there's a Alpha Infernape that spawns. Mm-hmm. There's like a little slab of island just to the right of that. And that's where like, there's a bunch of Shellos and Gastrodon, but a ton of Mr. Mime and uh, uh, Mime Junior spawn there. Mm-hmm. But I never yeah. found uh, Munchlax. I never found... Like, I saw a lot of videos on Twitter of people like, holy shit, I finally found them, and they, they ran away, and now I'm so sad because they're really hard to find. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen... I haven't seen Elekit... No, maybe I have seen Elekit. I haven't seen Elekit or Magby yet, but I've caught... I have Munchlax. I have, um, like, Togepi and all those other baby Pokemon. That's true. I did find a Togepi... Um, I haven't seen Happeny yet, which is the the Chansey pre evolution. That's I haven't yeah. Seen those yet. I've seen Chansey and Blissey around, but not Happeny for sure. Yeah, yeah. Did you have any trouble catching Pokemon that are flying in the air? Uh, a little bit, like with Gyarados and the Star Raptor, and there's a Crobat, and they're kind of like doing loops. 
you kind of have to like nicely timed jet balls, but that's what like, I just buy jet balls and then start chucking jet balls at them. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. So there's one where it's a, I think it's a toga kiss flying around. Oh yeah. It's above the, uh, the lake. One yeah. Of the, the, the guardian lakes. And there's a magna zone flying around mm-hmm. up in the air too. And I, yep. I had a really hard time getting it because jet balls don't fly forever, you know? And yeah, there's yeah. a lot, the pokeballs, even if you aim them correctly, a lot of them have like effective ranges where if you're super far away and you hit a Pokemon hit with them. an ultra ball, it'll just like boop, like plunk off yeah, of them. Make, make that, make that sound effect. Yeah. That happened to me with those flying Pokemon. So it was a challenge to get like within the right distance so that I could actually catch mm. them. I, I always like think about the beginning of the game where the professor Lavatin is so like impressed with like your pokeball throwing ability. And then my mind cuts to like me missing like 20 jet balls trying to catch a magnet zone. I'm like, bro, you don't, yeah. you don't see what I'm uh, the struggle out here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm lucky. I'm out here by myself. No one can see me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any other like kind of experiences uh, that you, uh, that were memorable for you out there that we didn't want to talk about in the uh, non-spoiler part? Uh, I think that's most of them. I would say that like what's really interesting and cool in this game too is it seems that shiny hunting is really easy and really doable. Uh, so far I've caught two just like so kind of hunting for one and then unintentionally hunting for another one. And then you get obviously you get the ponytail from the, the side quest that right. you get. Um, but yeah, having the like mass outbreaks and everything makes I think shiny hunting the shiny hunting in this game the most approachable that it's ever been in any Pokemon game. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't really I didn't really mess with the mass outbreaks and that's why I forgot to write yeah. it in the outline for the episode. Um Yeah. Well, and, and then going into kind of I, I talked about there being an update for the game. The update for the game is more mass outbreaks. They're okay. called massive mass outbreaks and essentially there'll be usually there's only about maybe one or two uh on on the map when you go to travel out of Jubilife at a time, but this creates a ton of them and they can either be a mass outbreak of Pokémon that don't show up in the general area usually. Like in the very beginning one, you run into a outbreak of Zora and Zora usually shows up in the icy uh in the mm-hmm. Alabaster Heights. Um, or they can be a mass outbreak of alpha Pokemon. So they will go and there'll be like six alphas there and then you can run into that. And that has, it, they kind of change shiny odds there, but that's essentially what the the update is. It's kind of a new side quest exploring the massive mass outbreaks. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I don't really, I don't really, I don't really care about shiny hunting. Fair. Like if I see one, that's really cool. Like I, I found a shiny Magikarp and I was like, holy shit, oh, nice. cool, golden Magikarp. <laughs> That's awesome. So I made sure to catch it. Um, yeah. And then I was disappointed when, like, I knew it was going to be a red Gyarados when it evolved, but I was, like, really hoping it would be gold. That would have been super cool. But That that would that would have been really cool if it kept its gold. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I don't, really, I don't really fuck with shiny hunting that much, but I'm glad that for people who do like it, that they're making it easier. Because, like, I remember reading about how people did it in older games, and it seemed like it didn't seem fun at all. No. And that's, that's where I'm at. Like it always seems like an interesting concept, but the hoops you had to go through, like I tried in sword and shield and I got a couple, but it just it, it, like in sword and shield. And it tells you to like get a ditto. You have to get a ditto from a country that's not yours. Cause that also increases the odds. Then you breed that ditto with whatever Pokemon you're trying to shiny hunt. And then you try to like, you can only hold six Pokemon in your party at a time. So you have eggs in your party and then you're running around trying to hatch eggs and you just keep hatching eggs and hatching eggs until you get a shiny. 
and then you rinse and repeat through that all over again but that process is incredibly long um one thing that helps mitigate that is the shiny charm and that is something that you get when you beat complete the pokedex which decreases or increases your shiny odds as well okay yeah that that process of breeding and running around hatching eggs I've seen people posting like it's not fun, you know, it's posting like I ho- I I hatched like twenty five hundred eggs and I finally got this shiny Pokemon and I I see yeah, that and is- I'm like, you're not even playing the game, like. So I'm glad that I'm really glad that in this game they have tied shinies to something that approaches like regular gameplay, you know. <laughs> yeah, I saw someone the other day where it was like for BDSP it was like 3500 encounters and I finally got my starter like they they hadn't started BDSP yet they were just shiny hunting for like a shiny piplup or something and it took them like two and a half months to get the shiny piplup and now they're finally starting starting the game and it's just like that is not appealing to me at all like with the the shiny I Yanma is a Pokemon that I love Yanma is adorable he's a little Mm -hmm. dragonfly and he's a cool shiny too and I was like, okay, I'll, I'll try the shiny hunting method in here. And it took me like 45 minutes to get a shiny. I was like, that's fine. Like, yeah, between like that and like an hour, like even an hour or two, like that's doable. But if I'm like doing two and a half months to find a shiny, no, nah, dude, that's, yeah. that's not happening. That's not happening. What, what do you want to bet that person like got their shiny thing and they're like, they start playing the game, they get a few gems in and then they just stop playing you know like, yeah yeah exactly exactly i tried in bdsp fun out of uh out of playing pokemon yeah i tried in the beginning so i was like i want to shiny hunt the starters in this and i did it for like a couple hours and i was like i can't i can't it's destroying my soul i just want to play this game yeah yeah for sure so that is good that they've tied that to regular gameplay even if you are just like going and doing the the mass outbreaks i only went to one of them uh, just to see mm-hmm. what it was and it was like a it's like a Rhydon mass outbreak or something like that. It was kind of cool where yeah. you, you go there and it's just like 15 Rhydon just chilling. <laughs> what are you guys doing here? Just like this is the, where the party's at apparently. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty cool. But yeah, that's, um, I don't know. That sounds like Pokemon Legends Arceus to me. Yeah. It's, it's good. Go play it if you're interested in Pokemon. Even if you, you've taken a break, I would say to check it out because it is a good departure from the norm and it's an interesting one in that. And it's a fun, has a fun gameplay loop to it too. Yeah, I, I guess we can speak freely just uh, just for a few minutes. Like, because I haven't seen any real info about um, Scarlet and uh, what's the other one called? Violet. Violet. Scarlet and Violet. Yeah. So I know that that's open world as they say. Yeah. But that's the, yeah, so th- that's all I know. Yeah, so that's. Are you trying to avoid spoilers for it too, or are you no, just, not just really. unintentionally? Okay. Um, so yeah, so with, with Arceus, we all thought it was going to be open world, but they never actually stated that in advertising. But with this, they have been very adamant in describing the game in the reveal that this is an open world Pokemon game. That there is not going to be any boundaries to this. Okay. That environment and towns will will seamlessly flow between one another. Which is super cool, which is an, a very interesting concept. We don't know if it's going to be Wild Area-esque like Sword and Shield or if it'll be more Arceus style or it'll be some kind of combination between the two of them. Um, but that is kind of the uh, what they're going with. I think Scarlet and Violet is interesting because this is their celebrating Pokemon Day, 26 years of Pokemon, and it's kind of like a spinoff of Red and Blue because Scarlet and Violet are kind of like other shades of red and blue oh, yeah. kind of nodding back to the <laughs> nodding back to the original games which is interesting 
Uh, the other thing is this game is apparently taking place or, or the region is based off of Spain, right. which will be an interesting environment. And you can kind of see that even in the starter Pokemon that they revealed as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, like, they're obviously going to take some things from Legends Arceus. Legends. And yeah. I I hope that they take the Pokemon out in the field thing. Uh, I hope they yeah. take that. And I hope the I hope they remove the requirement to fight every wild Pokemon if you want to catch them. But by doing that, I'm not sure where they're going to draw the line between the main series and Legends, which I assume is going to continue to be a series. Yeah, I I think that it'll be, like I said, I think they're going to pull a lot of stuff from Legends. Part of me doesn't think that the catching mechanic is going to return. And part of me, because they they had a, a very interesting quote that said like, and it could just be like taken out of context too. And it said something about like, like, oh, you can battle Pokemon or you battle Pokemon to catch them. And that was very, you know, not verbatim of how it actually said, but it kind of was in, in entailing that like you're okay. going to be battling Pokemon to catch them, like initiating battles. Like they're still out in the overworld. And when you run into them, it's still like the battle still happens in the overworld, but there's not necessarily that Pokeball throwing mechanic. And, th- mm-hmm. and that's not necessarily confirmed nor denied. Like that could still be in there. We have, no idea we haven't seen gameplay in battles outside of what they showed off but um i definitely think they take they take notes and they take stuff from legends arceus but how that is and how that's going to play out will be interesting yeah you know i i think that that game is probably really far along in the development cycle at this point they're not going to they're not going to like that's what i was thinking they're not going to see like arceus sold really really well we need to take stuff and put it in the game it's too late for that now so yeah absolutely the game comes out in like eight months right (laughs) which is wild to think about yeah i i guess i would predict that they're going to they're going to keep the older version of pokemon battles not the arceus version uh make you fight wild pokemon i guess but just have it be open world and uh the screenshots that we've seen make it look a lot better uh visually it's more colorful it's beautiful it's very vibrant yeah i i think it looks really well and it was like people are pointing out frame rate issues still like it's early on that we don't see more of it but in the shot with the windmill like the last windmill is like 15 frames a second and Mm -hmm. just like similar to arceus where it's just like the farther things kind of lose their frame rate so i i it's early on in at least them showing us to this. So I, I hope that is kind of mitigated because having it be the same and have it be similar is kind of what keeps that immersion going. Right. Right. Cool. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I'll definitely play that. Yes. And, uh, um, I'll definitely be playing whatever next, uh, legends game comes out. What, what region do you hope they go for, for the next legends game? I hope they either do. I think, uh, like a legends, Celebi, like if they do Generation Two, yeah, would be a really interesting world to explore. Like, and 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 I think they're gonna keep doing like ancient versions of these generations too. I don't think we're gonna get a modern like Arceus kind of thing, um, but maybe I think like an ancient Johto would be really interesting because you can explore Ho Oh and like the three dogs with Entei, Suikunar, and not Articuno. How do I always say that? And Raikou, right? And their backstory because that's really interesting those three dogs apparently were other Pokemon that burned in a fire and Ho-Oh revived them. And then that's how they turned into that. I think exploring kind of that ancient uh, version of that would be really cool. There's a lot of Japanese um, 
like iconography in Gen Two and in, mm-hmm. in Johto it's specifically with like those the, burned the, towers and stuff like the burned that. towers and the and the the dance house that's there. So it would be cool to see kind of an ancient version of that. I think that would be dope. Yep, I totally agree. That was my answer too. And you can I, like <laughs> just because the legendaries in Gen Two really, yeah. really like lend themselves to this kind of like ancient history type setting. Um, although Gen mm-hmm. One, like you could do Pokemon Legends Mew just as well. I think too. Yeah, that would be cool too. Yeah, hundred percent. So yeah, whatever they do, I'll be there for it because this game was a blast, and it was a blast talking with you on the show, dude. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. It was awesome, and any time to talk about Pokemon is always a good time. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, we will say goodbye once again, people listening. Thank you for listening this far. Please check out Play Along Podcast uh, as well Ooh. as a Top Three Podcast, and. Um, Keep listening. Keep staying uh, up to date with my social media accounts. Find links to those down in the episode description, and you will see the next game that comes out of the backlog. Mm-hmm.